just looking for no Frankenstein. I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Baravelli, you've got the brain of a four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. My fate is up to you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Your List Sucks Top 100 Series. Call you number three. Tonight we get into the top half of the list or the bottom half of the list, or however you imagine the old dog in there. Uh, but we're in the top. Uh, so things have been cordial, things have been friendly. Now the gloves got to come off. I mean, top fifty movies all time. Out of all the countless hundreds of thousands of movies that are out there, the movies you guys have watched, everything you say from now on, you're telling me is one of the top fifty best of all time, and I have to hold you responsible for, for that. For better or for worse. So uh, we're doing things. What's up, Star Drew? We're doing things a little bit different uh, this week. We're going to start lo- allowing everybody to speak on the bottom three. Um, but we still want to get out here within a reasonable t- amount of time. So let's keep it short. One sentence. Your quick review of the movie. And we'll move on. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, talk to our panel. Uh, Ethan, you tied for first last week. Had a pretty good showing. Yeah, um, I would say it was more of a win, but... <laughs> Well, it's it's a it's a tie for win, but um, what do you got? So, what, what's your thoughts on this week? Are you gonna keep that train rolling along this week? I don't think so, Kirk. I think this is the week where uh, things get a little weird, and I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that win today, <laughs> but right. I'm very excited about my list this week. All right, good, 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 Cody. Uh, also tied for first last week. It was close, neck and neck. I could I yeah. couldn't break yeah. the tie. I had no way to break the tie. Mm. I told you guys I was sitting here for like the last half of the show trying to come up with some kind of calculus to break the tie, and I couldn't. Um, but do you think uh, you feel better about this week? you think you're going to run away this, this time? I just, I just like, one, the opening says, I'm running this now, Frankenstein, so I guess I'm Frankenstein. Two, um, I love that the, the benchmark starts at the top 50. We didn't start it last week, so Ethan can still have bullshit on his list. And uh, this week, yeah, I think I'm going to win. Uh, I don't know this week. I think this is the one week that if somebody has been like losing a lot, <coughs> Brian, he could win this week because I have some questionable choices, and I already know that you you said something to start it with, like, oh, this is I got to start holding you accountable. So I know one of my movies is the reason for that, and it's bullshit already. So it's gonna be fun. I'm having fun. All right, uh, Brian, you technically didn't come in fourth place last week. Technically, no. I, I, I feel uh, happy that Cody th- has such faith in me that I might win, but that's never going to happen. Um, I, I think that tonight, I don't think there's anything you're going to truly hate the way you have some of my previous ones, but uh, I, there are going to be plenty that you will not be happier in my top 50. <laughs> All right. And finally, Zach Ford, also tying for second place last week. Um, which direction you see the arrows pointing up for you? Is that going to continue or... Uh... <laughs> It's all downhill from here. That is the nicest way to say tied for last, but I appreciate it. Um, 
I, I know that I'm going to come out looking good tonight because I have a list of objective bangers. Uh, I think you guys are going to be against them and come out looking like the fools, um, not me. So I don't know if I'm going to win here, but in the like annals of film history, I'm going to, I'm, I want this one. Uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay, let's get started. Like I said, guys, that anal. we're going to do our we're going to do the bottom three here. Uh, you'll talk, I'll talk to everybody else real quick. Five words or less, six words or less. What do you think about that movie? And then we'll go from there. Just in a fucking sentence. And... Shut up! Exactly. All he right. fucking loves that thing more than anybody else. <laughs> time too. Chat's very active already. Thanks everybody for watching. Uh, Cody, let's uh, let's start with your bottom three. You know, I'm going to start off with just a banger. Just a absolute just crowd pleaser. Uh, my number 50 is Big Daddy. Uh, my number 49 is The Chicago Way, The Untouchables. And uh, my number 48 is one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's Coming to America. Okay. So, uh, Big Daddy, not a huge Adam Sandler fan. I understand a lot of people hate him. This is the one movie that I feel like has the most heart. And I believe that it has the most grounded that he's ever been. Um, it didn't hit me as hard until I took, did the foster care process and like kind of adopted, uh, I had adopted my son. Um, that this movie is really funny. I've quoted it my entire life, but now it has even more of a significance about like that scene when he's walking away at the end and it's like, I wipe my own ass. I wipe my own ass. Like doing anything, just saying, Hey, just don't let them take me. I want to be here. And that just rips my like soul out every time I hear it. It's just, it's, there's great quotes throughout it. Like hooters, 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 and stop pulling your sister's hair. I think I've said that to numerous people over my life. Uh, I don't think, I think this movie gets a really bad rap. It gets tied in with the water boy and the stuff of that. People don't like it. I was saying, but I think big daddy is really, really good. Uh, the next one is my 49. It's the untouchables. Um, this is a movie that I waited a little too long in life to see. Um, it's kind of like a perfect Cody movie. Uh, I think Sean Connery, uh, one deserve the Oscar, Hands down, how this movie was not nominated for Best Picture is absolute bullshit. Um, I I love when they're sitting in the church at the beginning of the film, and he goes, "Do you really want Capone?" He's like, "I want Capone." Okay, well, if if they pull out a if you pull out a knife, you pull out a gun. If they send somebody to the hospital, you send them to the morgue. It's the Chicago way, and it goes down through all their just that intense gunfight. Everybody says De Niro is like phoning in in this movie. I don't understand it. And Costner's not a cardboard cutout, like a piece of wood. Like, And that's impressive because that man is probably one of the most boring actors that have ever walked this earth. And he is actually really uh, great in this film. And then my next one is Coming to America. Uh, Coming to America is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I think it just... I've not seen the second one. I don't know how that movie holds up. I, I think it's just like a... I think people are okay with it, but this movie is, I didn't want them to touch it because I think this first movie is just brilliant from where they start. And they do that world building of where they all are. And he's the King. And he's like, come the prince. And he's coming over to here and he wants to go to Queens. And the guy in like New York's like, you don't want to go to Queens. Like, no, nope, take me to Queens. They park the car and everybody steals all their shit. He gets like a job at the food. Um, I still love the scene when Samuel L. Jackson comes in and like tries to rob the place. And he's like, 
Please do not speak any more profanities. I'll have to thrash you. What the hell did you say? And beats him with a mop. Um, I think this movie's got a lot of heart, but it's so funny. I, I laugh nonstop at coming to America. So that's my bottom half. Okay. Uh, Big Daddy, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think it gets thrown in with, like, the really bad Sandler. I mean, I think it's probably, like, upper middle tier um, as far as just, like, quality of the movies. And, I mean, yeah, it probably has the most heart of a Sandler movie, but it's still, I mean, you still got a lot of Sandler nonsense. You got, you know, the, the obnoxious uh, Rob Schneider character and just a lot of stuff you got to wade through to get to that. Um, so, I mean, it's... It's not. It's not terrible. It's not. It's not a bad. You know, like I said. I mean, it's, it's like I said. It's probably top five Sandler, but top fifty of all time. That's a little rough. Uh, the Untouchables. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, great looking movie. A lot of really great scenes. In this. I mean, that that scene in the you know the train station with the, the you know the stroller going on the steps. Iconic. Really good. Uh, uh, Sean Connery is great in this. I think. De Niro, I agree with you. I think De Niro is good. I disagree with you. I do think Kevin Costner is a piece of wood in this. Uh, he's, he's just basically, you know, he's just very, very general, generic uh, Kevin Costner. Everything else going on around him is really good, but he kind of, he's, I think it screeched it to a halt for me. And he, I think he's what keeps this from being like a top 100 worthy movie for me. Put a, you know, put a real actor in that, in that uh, role. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, but he just, you can only go so far with Costner. And uh, coming to America. Uh, yeah, I really like this movie. I think it's probably Eddie movies Eddie Murphy's best character that he's played. I just love like the personality exuberance, like that positivity, and then um, our city hall is really great as a friend who kind of like just falls for the whole like New York thing and just really loves that lifestyle, doesn't want to give it up. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's yeah probably my favorite Eddie Murphy movie overall. Just re really really solid. Um, so everybody else, let's give this a try real quick. We're gonna go Big Daddy, Untouchables, Come to America, Big Daddy, go. Uh, used to love, now I don't. Yeah, Adam Sandler, no thank you. <laughs> He's muted, dumbass. That's it, that's his We're, time. Oh, that's worried time. people call Cody Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Untouchables. Uh, I haven't seen the Untouchables yet. Okay. Uh, I'll say Lauren Six Words. Um, good chicago movie so of course i love it i will say my only complaint about the movie is uh the the score is a little too bombastic and intrusive many times i haven't seen it all right great start. 287 287 and uh coming to america only seen parts of it unfortunately uh like it but not top tier eddie murphy for me if we change this to syllables, it's going to be real fun, Count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like Coming to America um, a whole lot. Um, this may be my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. It's real fun. All right. Good job, guys. Got through that quick. Uh, Ethan, we're going to move on to you for your uh, bottom three. All right. My bottom three, my number 50. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, <laughs> my number 49, uh, Ratatouille. And my number 48 is a movie called Thelma from 2017. All you? Is that right. Thelma with a lisp? Thelma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, this movie is pure 80s horror cheese, horror comedy. It's very intentional. Um, it's directed by the, these guys named the Chiodo Brothers. They were big special effects guys in the 80s, and they made a movie, and it's Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and it's kind of playing on those, those tropes of like wacky 50s horror movies but with an 80s special effects team and, and just doing a bunch of fun stuff. Um, it has an awesome theme song by the Dickies. Uh, it's really cool. Even if you don't want to watch the movie, go listen to the theme song. It's 
fucking awesome. Um, and it's just, this movie is just a ton of really fun, ridiculous gags with these clown aliens with incredible special effects, some really funny lines and a few, I'm not, I'm not kidding. A few legitimate, um, scary scenes. Like there's this scene where, uh, there's a cop who's being puppete- uh, puppeteered by a clown and it's like pretty unsettling. It's actually really creepy. Um, and the movie just keeps building and building with all these like crazy, you know, alien clown gadgets um, until the end where there's just this big climactic thing. I won't spoil it. It's really, really fun. Um, some great lines. One of my favorite lines of all time. What are you going to do with those pies, boys? Um, anyone who's seen it knows that, that seems oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, it's a great horror comedy. You guys should watch it. Um, and then my number 49, Ratatouille. Um, Ratatouille is, in my opinion, the best Pixar movie. I love this movie. Um, I think it's written really well. It's really funny. It's super, super heartfelt. Um, I also am a huge fan of food. And the way that Remy describes food to uh, his, his rat brother or whatever, um, where he's like, you, you hear music and you see like the colors and they combine and it's all like, it, it's like jazz almost. And it's like, it's just such a beautiful representation of flavors and food. Um, so I just love watching the beautiful animated food. Um, Linguini is a really fun character. Um, there's a great little romance, like the side plots, there's like twists and turns. And I just think it's a really heartfelt movie and the, the climax with, you know, the so-called villain isn't this like, you know, big action sequence. It's like this simple thing that's just, it's very emotional. It touches on love of food and, and memories and nostalgia. And it's, I just think it's a really beautiful movie. And the score is so good. It's like, I think it's uh, Michael G. You know, it's one of his best. It's so good. Um, and then Thelma. This is a really good movie. I think it's Norwegian. Let me double check really quick. Yeah, Norwegian. Um, it is a like semi-horror sci-fi thriller almost. And it's not really sci-fi, but it's um it's about this woman, Thelma, who's got these like telekinetic abilities. Um, and she comes from a very religious family. And she is slowly like learning about her own sexuality, and um, she's beginning to fall for this woman named Anya. And because of her upbringing and her abilities, it's like manifesting itself in really crazy, strange ways. Um, and it deals with like deep themes of like repression and and uh, and and being scared of of opening yourself up and being being who you are. And um, but it's done in this really, it's told through this story of like this dark telekinetic woman who um, is just going through a lot of stuff, and her family is like crazy. And I, I won't say too much more because it's like that's the, the general story. But it's just it's shot beautifully. It's acted really, really well. It's like, it's just put together so well with a really, it's a, I love when genre movies are made really, really well. And this is made really, really well for a genre film and for any film. It's uh, it's great. You guys should watch it. Okay. Uh, Killer Clowns. I got to watch this week. I'd never seen it before. Um, it's fun. Um, there's some, uh, you know, the, the, clown the creature designs cool and like all like the clown gags are are fun um but it's like i know it's trying to be cheesy it's trying to be like a b movie um but but holy crap uh some some of the and again i know these movies are supposed to have bad acting but some of the acting this movie just some of the literally the worst i've ever seen uh like the guy is mike the main character is that the main guy like he talks um, like this the whole movie sounds like a reading more dj <laughs> 86 degrees traffic on route 28 it's like Mike so, tobacco like, yeah it's so 
Like and then like the the brothers, the ice cream truck brothers. It's just so bad. Like it's just so much stuff that I just couldn't get on board with. Oh, so fun. Um, I mean, it is fun. Like if you say it's a fun movie and you like it, that's fine. But number fifty all time, I can't accept that. That's just it's it's <laughs> it's 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 not good enough for that. Definitely. Um, uh Ratatouille. Uh, I'm on record. I think this is maybe one of the most. No, not the most up is the most overrated Pixar movies, but this is up there, no pun intended. Um, it just there's certain things I want from a Pixar movie, and this doesn't do it for me. Um, Pixar to me is just all about like creating like a big new world and like you know something like that. And this one is just so small scale, and um, I just I, I just never it never clicked with me for the first time I ever watched it. It's not bad, but I just just sorry Nick, uh, I'm I'm not a fan of it. And uh, Thelma. I did not get a chance to watch it, unfortunately. It was on my list, uh, but it's uh, – I, I know it is a B-movie, but it is it is trying to be a B-movie also, Paul. Um, film I didn't get to see. It was on my list. I just didn't get around to it. So um, so everybody else, uh, Cody, I know you're going to have to rein yourself in. I know you have a lot of things you want to say about Killer Clowns, but you're going to have to keep it short. Let's start with Killer Clowns. Get the fuck out of here, Ethan. <laughs> Uh, saw a long time ago, very Ethan. <laughs> um, I saw as a child, there is one shy of being too many unnecessary Ks that make me uncomfortable about its ulterior <laughs> motives. It's just two, we're safe. That's good. All right. We're ready for the sequel. Uh, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Top five Pixar. I've come around to this film. Great choice. Uh, I'd say this is probably in the lowest tier of Pixar for me. Um, there's lots I love about it that gets ruined by having the most Louis Tunes bit of him controlling his fucking body with hair, which is the Thanks. dumbest thing Thanks. that Pixar, who's usually smart, ever came up with. And it, it frustrates me because there's lots of love, but that is, it's too stupid for them. It's like they didn't <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that means, Brad, we're on to you for your 53. Oh, what about FOMO? Oh, Thelma. Yeah, who's who's? I don't think anybody's seen Thelma. I have I have seen Thelma and Louise. Thank you. It was on my watch list for a while, and then it became too old to be counted as a new release, so I skipped it. <laughs> That's a good reason to not watch a movie. Okay. Thank you. Too long. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian. Uh, Fifty through forty-eight for you. Uh, my number fifty is this is Spinal Tap. Uh, my number forty-nine is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And my number 48 is The Last Boy Scout. Uh, I did I did have Spinal Tap um, pre-Iced. Okay. Uh, so this is Spinal Tap. Um, obviously, probably still the best mockumentary ever made. It kind of was one of the earliest ones. I'm sure that somebody will dig up one earlier, but this is just such an excellent mockumentary. It does it so well. It's the directorial debut of Rob Reiner, um, as well as, I mean, you got Hank Azaria. I'm not Hank Azaria. Harry Shearer, uh, Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, um, got tons of other people in there. You got Bruno Kirby, Paul Schaefer. Just it's a great comedy with a ton of people in it. Um, it's all done very dryly, so I mean it, it's it's not you know over the top and slapsticky so much. Even though there is some physical comedy in it, it's done kind of almost very seriously, uh, which is kind of what makes it funny because it's these rock stars who are so full of themselves. And even like if you've seen lots of interviews with real like rock stars, they say this is probably one of the most accurate movies to how things really happen backstage and stuff. Um, but anyway, I, I just really thought this was a great comedy. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I know. Wait, this can I get to talk about Spiral Tap? Oh yeah. I'm oh sorry. yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I, I had Spinal Tap at number and um, uh, it's just one of the you know best line for line laugh movies. I, I, my, my only like unique take would be I think Michael McKean kind of owns the movie. I know a lot of people love Christopher Guest, but I think Michael McKean has so much. Um, confidence throughout the movies but especially as a as a musical performer like he really you know hits the front man um ideal um really well and i just you know i have a thing for these kind of parody movies that take what they're doing really seriously like still the musicianship is good the songs are dumb but they're not like corporate musicians what they're trying to make you can kind of see some level of why they were are supposed to be popular uh but um that makes you kind of fall for the characters a little more. Um, and just amazing chemistry, yeah, between, you know, all the guys. That's why they continue to make movies together. I mean, you know, Christopher Guest continue to make his own movies because he has a brand new humor that I think, you know, could work in a lot of different settings. So, yeah, love Spound Up. All right, uh, Brian, you're 49. Uh, that's Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which I'm sure will get crap for being my top 50, but I don't care. This movie's just a ton of fun. I mean, it's directed by Doug Lyman, who, you know, from Swingers and Go and some of the Bourne movies and Edge of Tomorrow. Um, but you got Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, who are two just fine physical specimens at the top of their game here. Um, and their chemistry in this movie is off the charts. I mean, there was a lot of shit when it came out. People were all caught up in the real-life drama with those two and then with Jennifer Aniston and the whole thing. Put all that aside, though, and just enjoy the movie. And this movie is just tons of fun. I mean, it's just – I've said this before, but I love movies when they get that perfect kind of blend of action and comedy, and, and they do it so well here. And like I said, those two leads are great, as well as, you know, we got Vince Vaughn in there. You got Adam Brody showing up in a Brad Pitt movie with a Fight Club t-shirt. I mean, come on. Who doesn't like that little wink? Um, so, yeah, there's that. And then uh, 48, I had The Last Boy Scout. My love of Shane Black is well-known. Um, this is one of my favorites that he, he wrote, did not direct. Um, Tony Scott, obviously one of my favorite directors out there. Um, you got Bruce Willis. He's got in the middle of his, you know, good diehard movies. Um, Damon Williams at the top of his game as well. And this is just a movie that I don't really get into sports movies, like especially the inspirational kind of thing or not my kind of thing. But you said like a good like comedy action noir movie in that world. I'm invested. It's good. I mean, the movie starts off with a football player pulling out a gun and shooting everybody's kneecaps out and then it's shelf in the head in the end zone. I mean, you got my attention right from the first scene. Um, but this is another one where Shane Black's dialogue goes a long way towards making this movie really work for me. And this is back when Bruce Willis actually cared and tried. So, there you go. All right. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Uh, this is what I like. Uh, I think it's ahead of its time, just that style of comedy, that real dry, like not, you know, not giving up the bit kind of thing. Uh, and I think it's, uh, you know, just, you know, you look at like, you know, Fly the Concords and that kind of stuff they do now. Like, that's all the same style. They were doing it back then, which I think is pretty cool. And yeah, I just like the, just how committed they are to being so stupid. Just, just kind of that ridiculousness of it. And like, but treat it seriously, treat it like a real band. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I saw when it came out. I don't remember a lot about it. Uh, I was this. This is this. They weren't together in this movie. This is the movie that broke Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston up, right? They met on this movie. Okay. He broke up with Jennifer Aniston, and then he got together with Angelina. Don't believe the tablet. Because <laughs> most, most of the time, when it's the real life couples, the movie sucks. Um, so this movie probably sucks. Uh, but no, the one thing I like, the, the movie I like, the one thing I do remember about, I like about is the, the final scene, the big shoot at the end. Uh, was a pretty cool scene. That's really my most vivid memory of this movie. Uh, the Last Boy Scout. 
started watching out this movie before we came uh, this this evening before we came on here. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but so far it is terrible. Um, I can't believe Shane Black wrote this because usually Shane Black, even if it's a good a bit not a good movie, like his characters and his dialogue is good. The dialogue in this movie, oof. Like every single line is a one-liner, and all of them are bad. It sounds like your dad trying to imitate a Bruce Willis action movie. It's so like every single line just falls flat. The characters are horrible. Like just it's one of those action movies. Like literally, there's a scene where Damon Wayne's witnesses at the beginning. I'm not spoiling. I think it's the beginning of the movie. He witnesses his girlfriend brutally murdered, mowed down with machine guns in the streets. And literally three minutes later, he's like joking with Bruce Willis about his leather pants. Like there's no like emotion or connectivity to anything. It's just the most, it's like if when you know, like when a movie or TV show does a parody of an act, like a bad action movie. And like, you just like for like five, you just for, like shows a scene for two minutes. It just has like every one of those stereotypes. That's what this movie feels like. Um, Maybe I'm, I'm only, I'm only like about his pants and he's kind of blowing them off. But um, it's like, yeah, but he's like, yeah, they're just like, he's talking about his pants with his girlfriend said, um, I'm about two thirds away for it. Who knows? Maybe it gets great in the last third, um, but I'm not going like to hold my breath. Third, you're not going to like the last third. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we'll do this as Spinal Tap for uh, Ethan and Cody. Movies and 11 out of 10. Yes. I hate comedy. I stayed away. All right. And everybody else besides Brian on Mr. Mrs. Smith. I'm going to go. Vince Vaughn is great. Um, when I saw this in theaters as a kid, the only thing I remember about it is eating too many sour Skittles and like my mouth got like cut up. But I, I think I had fun when I was a kid and I saw it. That's the only time I ever saw it. But I remember the Skittles. I haven't seen it, but I'm working my way through Bradley Pitt. Um, Bradley <laughs> No need to be so formal, Zach. <laughs> I don't know him, so I gotta call him by his proper name. <laughs> and uh, last Boy Scout, Tony Scott. I had a lot of fun with this movie. <laughs> I have not seen the last Boy Scout. Don't know why I would ever watch this unless Theo grows up and has horrible taste and makes me watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but there is he your son. What? Yeah, he's 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 only watching silent films until he's age fourteen, so he can get have patience. No Billy Wilder though. <laughs> he's better than he's better than that. Okay, the Billy Wilder behind me. I really like Billy Wilder. That's not the point. Okay, Zach, give us your bottle three. All right, um, my number fifty um, is the Princess and the Bride. Yeah, or Princess yes. Bride. Jesus Christ, who am I saying? I knew what you even, were saying. And I even wrote yours. it in my notes as the princess and the bride. I'm fucking high. Well, okay. I'm not yikes and not yikes and the princess bride. Which, like, I have princess and the frog in my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my 49. Now, um, 49, hoop dreams. 48, and I'm glad to see all these documentaries on your list, guys. Okay, my 48 is um, Nashville. I didn't include any documentaries, just to add up. So, sorry. All right. Uh, so, give us uh, Hoop Dreams in Nashville, Zach. All right. Um, Hoop Dreams in Nashville. I have, like, when I was writing my notes, there's like very similar things that I wrote about, which is weird because they're very different movies. Um, but I think they both have 
kind of an epic scope of a specific community with hoop dreams being in the Chicago youth basketball um, scene taking, you know, four kids over, you know, a long, um, you know, span of childhood on trying to accomplish your dreams, yet there's such intimacy um, within it. Like you really get to understand their their subjects um, very closely um, and, and like very fleshed out that you can kind of understand what drives them and um, understand their kind of vulnerability that they have. Um, and it's just incredible to, you know, get such rawness in how you know, kids within that community, um, especially these young black kids in, you know, the 1980s or 90s, um, yeah, 90s, um, uh, um, feel their way to succeed is and how kind of narrow-minded um, that kind of idea, you know, can be based on how society let them. Um, it's incredible. Um, another, you know, we have a lot of Chicago reasons because Chicago just makes a great background for um, these kinds of details. All right. Um, my number 48, Nashville, I literally wrote the exact same thing, which was the, um, you know, epic and scope of a community, but somehow finds such intimacy um, within all its characters. I think I only have like a few adjectives in my vocab. That's that this is the flaw. Um, but this, you know, Robert Altman, my favorite kind of Robert Altman movies is when he, um, you know, captures a, a very specific kind of community with such specific details. In this case, it is the Nashville country scene in the 70s. Um, you know, it, the plot is very minimum because it's more jumping kind of from moment to moment, from character to character, um, to create as fleshed out um, of all the different qualities of this country community can be. Um, all the all the actors, you know, the huge cast make the best of all their moments. I do think Lily Tomlin is the standout. I think she's the emotional core of the movie. Um, she has the best scene with, um, I believe, David Carradine. I can't remember the Carradine names. Um, David Carradine, who sings the best song in the movie, um, having different um, kind of motivations for his moment, being different than how it's being perceived by Lily Tomlin and other characters in the, thank you, I'm easy, um, being interpreted by her. Um, and just the like quiet um, face acting throughout the scene, the way Robert Altman captures it, it is like very devastating and I think very complex in his emotional intelligence. And I think that's just a good definition of the movie. Um, and a great political background without it hitting over the heads. It's just there as atmosphere um, that you can kind of read into it and get it as subtext rather than explicitly telling you it's, you know, political connections. It's, a, it's just a really smart movie. It's really long, but I think, you know, it flies because you feel like you're living within it, with it so fleshed out. Uh, okay. Uh, Hoop Dreams, I didn't get a chance to watch. It was on my list, but I won't lie. It was one of the lowest priority ones for me because, A, like I said before, I'm not a big documentary guy, uh, and B, um, I'm not a big NBA. I'm not a big basketball guy. So for me, it's like, hey, you guys make it great. Good for you. I'm never going to watch you play. So um, really not a not much connection there for me. And uh, Nashville, I did watch. I uh, just watched this yesterday, actually. So I'm not going to – this isn't a movie you can watch and say – watch once and say, oh, yeah, I get it. I understand it because there's so much going on. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this movie. Um, but I really did like the whole vibe of it. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves about movies is exposition. I hate when things explain too much. I love a movie like this where it just kind of throws you in and you have to get your bearings. doesn't tell you what's going on. You just kind of have to figure it out as you go. Other thing I think is really cool about this movie is every character moves through it like they're the main character. And it's almost like they are all the main character in their their own movie, 
and like all these different movies are just intersecting and you're just getting bits and pieces of them from, from each character. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, it is long. That's that, that kind of freaked me out when I saw how long it was. And a movie like this, that kind of meanders. Like I could, you could really feel that, but I think Altman does a great job of pacing it where you're spending, you know, you're moving around enough um, where you really don't feel the length. It's almost three hours. Didn't feel that way uh, too much uh, uh, too long at all for me. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. I am, you know, something I definitely want to revisit because there is obviously a lot of layers there, a lot going on. Um, and I just want to be able to capture it all. Um, but I enjoyed my first movie. Very pleasantly <laughs> surprised in that one. I had my some nervous. <laughs> all right. Uh, everybody else on Hoop Dreams. Cody's muted. It's fantastic not inside baseball, Paul. It's inside basketball. Fantastic documentary. I've never seen Hoop Dreams. A uh, beautiful and heartbreaking documentary movie film. You know, you don't right. have to use six words. You can just stop at movie. I think we should do it in haiku. <laughs> Work on that for next week. Um, and Nashville. Anybody got anything on Nashville? Uh, uh, Runtime scares the shit out of me. me. Runtime scares the shit out of me, and people told me to stay away, so I stayed away. Never seen that dang Nashville, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even me. All right, hey, I'm proud of you guys. You did that. We only had to use a shop roll once. Uh, that whole that whole segment there. So um, I think we'll keep that up for next week, okay. guys. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on now. Now everybody gets to talk for real, and we're going to start with Cody's number forty-seven. Ah, uh, my forty-seven. Why I need to get out of the top? Okay, uh, my forty-seven is Selma. I already did that we one. Talked about that. Thelma. What? <laughs> Keep going. Selma, Thelma. Oh. Selma. I was like, what? Did I miss something? Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you really threw me off. Uh, so, some of my favorite movies uh, involve uh, the civil rights. Um, I just find that that era completely fascinating. And Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my like historical figures that I. I've read so much on him. I think he's absolutely incredible. And this movie uh, does it so well for me. I think his performance is absolutely incredible as Dr. Martin Luther King. How he did not get an Oscar nomination is one of the most confusing things that I've ever seen. A, if you play a clip, uh, I will not pronounce his name because there's no chance I'm going to be able to say it, right? Uh, versus Martin Luther King. They are identical. I think this entire this this uh, scene where the whole bridge scene, um, just how I don't know who directs this film. I, I should be really more. I should make notes and stuff like that and be like educated on my shit before I talk. But like how they uh, how they are able to like uh, put like the bridge scene and like when the cops and like um, take on like and start the riots basically in this and bring out the hoses and stuff. How un like helpless you feel during this entire scene and i like that they show like the true like how martin luther king like when he was in jail and like the stuff that you don't really see about him like how mad he was and how frustrated he was and his speeches inside the church and how uh how just real he was um i think it's an absolute underrated film for 2014 not a lot of people talk about it i think this movie i i just i absolutely love this film I think the, the glory, the song that they that was nominated. I love that song. I think it plays so well during this movie. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak more highly on Selma. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. 
Yeah, we just watched this today. Um, and yeah, it's really good. Uh, that bridge scene is just devastating in the way it's shot. I mean, you're, you're just hearts in your throat. And I mean, if you could watch that and not just be like emotionally drained when it's over, um, cause it just comes out of nowhere. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like, it just, you're just waiting for it. And then it's just like, he's like, go. And then it just all hell breaks loose and it's just terrifying and heartbreaking to watch. Um, but the rest of the movie is great. I love biopics like this that show you like behind the scenes, like a historical event or a historical moment where you think, oh, it just happened. And you see behind the scenes of the, the machine behind it. Um, and, you know, just all the politics, all the politicking that went in, not just with like the actual politicians, like with LBJ and everything, but just within his own organization with other, you know, adjacent organizations, um, you know, how, how much work had to go into that, how much was against him. Uh, you know, from every different angle. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a, a really good movie, really eye-opening movie. Um, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get at least nominated for that because he's really good. Like, I wasn't sure because I mean, I think he's a good actor, but for that role, that's such like a heavy, obviously such a heavy, important role. Um, and he really just kind of you know, and I think like he gets better as the movie goes on. Like, if I mean, you play a famous person in Hollywood, you automatically get an Oscar nomination. But Martin Luther King drew nothing. It was yeah. the most confusing thing for the Oscars. Yeah. Um, everybody else on Selma and you can talk um, well, you're, you're, I, you're, not, you're no longer at your six word limit here Ethan you can say as much cool. um, I don't need more than well I will whatever um, I haven't seen it yet I've seen 13th which is a great documentary and I've seen Wrinkle in Time which is a horrible movie so Ava DuVernay is batting one for two for me and I think if I watch Selma it'll probably you know get her over that threshold for me but I haven't seen it there's not even a named Selma in it. I don't get it. No, um, I haven't seen the movie. Um, I really like some of when it came out. I haven't seen it since, but I will rewatch it when they release um, the common cut, where after every scene, common just narrates what happens in his best glory like ability. I'm in for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Cody, 46. No, 46. Uh... I stand by this. I do not believe this man won an Oscar just because he lost to it in another film. It is training day. Uh, I Well, surprise, surprise, that Denzel Washington shows up on my list. Um, but uh, it won't be the last time either. Uh, I absolutely love training day. Uh, Ethan Hawke had the shittiest first day on a job that anybody could possibly have. He got. Uh, he literally showed up to the most corrupt cop in the entire <laughs> in L.A. Um, no one dies better than Denzel Washington. I will stand by this. Um, if you go back to that scene where the King Kong ain't got shit on me, uh, fantastic. Uh, through and through, I just love how Denzel plays this character. He never gets to play this character, this just awful cop basically um um and just like so manipulative and so like drives the entire uh, uh ethan hawk to just do some of these crazy things i i absolutely love this film i hate when people say that he didn't deserve the oscar for this because they were just making up for malcolm x i think he did deserve the oscar i think it's absolutely just incredible throughout this film it's a great gritty movie is, it flies by yeah training day uh, I like this movie. Um, I definitely think it rides on Denzel's performance. I think if you put anybody else in that in that role, I think this is just pretty much yeah, a run of the mill cop movie, and it, we really don't talk about it that much. Um, but he is he is so good in it. He like just just that character he creates here is and it's just 
it's it's not like nor like usually like that usually that that Denzel energy is used for good and to see it used for evil is just so weird and uncomfortable but it's still so great at the same time because you still you still love him because it's Denzel being Denzel but it's he's so bad at the same time and you see how he uh how he uses that to manipulate people and I'm um, just like when he has, you know, he hasn't like smoked a little bit of drugs at the beginning, and then like you find out like later he's set, he's been setting him up the whole time, the whole day. He's been you know pulling the strings. Uh, it's kind of terrifying actually. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean that's my only thing. That's what keeps the movie from being great for me is I think it's the performance more than it is the movie. Um, but it's a great, it's a great performance. It's a fun movie. That's fair. It's probably yeah. there because of the performance, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. Uh, everybody else on trading day. I haven't seen it. I have a lot of weird Denzel holes, unfortunately. No, I, I do like Training Day a lot. I, I, I think it's it's uh, De- while Denzel's good in it, he's obviously had much better performances than that, though. Um, although looking at the other nominees that year, he deserved the Oscar. I mean, uh, of all his roles, that would not be the one I'd give it to him for. But based on his competition that year, he deserved it. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, Ethan Hawke actually, you know, pulled it off. He's kind of you know not really got a lot of respect as a real actor and for many times he doesn't deserve it, but uh, he was good in this. And Antoine Fuqua, I thought actually he, he did a great job kind of making that gritty, gritty crime drama thing to it. So yeah. Uh, some unnecessary shade at my fellow Ethan there. Uh, I do love Ethan Hawke. I think he's great in most things he's in. Um, and I do like Train Day. It's, um, it's a good, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I remember really liking it. And Denzel is awesome. It's such a fun villain. Um, and yeah, like Kirk was saying, like it is, it is scary. Like just put if you put yourself in Ethan Hawke's shoes in that movie, it's like it is terrifying the way that like he's just manipulated and like that that scene where he makes him smoke was it PCP or something that makes him yeah. smoke. That scene. He thinks was, it's weed. He thinks it's weed, yeah. and then later finds out it's PCP. It's like, yeah, the first time I saw that, I was just like, I felt like sick. It was like really effective. Uh, yeah, so it's a good movie. And I'll agree with Paul too. I mean, Hawk's not bad, and he he does what he, he does what he has to do in that movie. He stays um, the hell out of Denzel's way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but he, he's there just enough of it. So yeah, I mean, Paul's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Forty-five, Cody. Uh, well, let's just keep the Denzel train rolling. That's fine with me. Uh, my forty-five is Philadelphia. I had that yikes earlier. Uh, fantastic. Uh, song that won the Oscar that year for uh, this uh, Coho can shut the fuck up in the back for that. Uh, Philadelphia is a movie that I think should be shown in schools. Um, I think I think this movie has a ton of great messaging and it also shows a awful past that we had um, how people were treated back then. I think it's absolutely disgusting and I think Denzel, his acting in this movie is so good without saying anything. His body language throughout this entire film tells mainly his story, how he looks at stuff, how, how when Tom, King, Tom Hanks puts his hat on the, his table, how he freaks out, and you just see him melting down on the inside without saying anything. But when he does say stuff, it is so powerful throughout this film. Um, just I think just as a country, we handled the AIDS like pandemic situation so terribly for these people that went through it. Um, it's just one of the saddest times in history. And I think um, it just shows how terrible human we were. But I think Hanks and Denzel in this role um, unlikely coming together to uh, resolve this case and stand up for his rights as a as a uh, you know an employee in that situation and how he was handled. Um, I just think this movie has so much heart. Um, I absolutely love Philadelphia. So, and I'll pass it to Zach. 
Yeah, um, I, I did a Jonathan Demi marathon um, and then did this for a Tom Hanks marathon. So watching it from two different kind of perspectives of what I was focused on added, um, you know, different qualities I was able to notice. Um, I think this is, in a way, should be the defining Jonathan Demi movie as far as what, the, like, defines him as a filmmaker. Because I think he's a very empathetic filmmaker and I think his use of close-ups is used specifically in this to build such complexity of the characters and... Um, which is because that, that angle is kind of a demi classic. Um, but there's just so much humanity throughout the film and throughout how he deals with this um, subject matter. Um, that it, it's, it, I think, you know, for 1992 or 93, right? 93, um, you know, I had some rep for maybe how it dealt with the community, but I think it was like perfectly empathetic, especially for that time where they knew about the AIDS um, crisis at that moment. Um, I also, the, the opening scene, which is a uh, kind of concept that has been done, uh, the opening credit scene has, jackass. Um, <laughs> um, the opening credits has been, okay. <laughs> He just got. He enjoys it. He used to climb on me to me, so I would throw him. Um, anyways, uh, the opening credit credit scene, which is you know going through the streets of Philadelphia with uh, the streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen playing overhead, is something that's been done a lot of movies. It's done in Dog Day Afternoon, that kind of um, opening credits going through a city and just seeing like the real community thrive. But I think it hasn't uh, been better better than what Demi does here. I think a combination of the perfect song for it, um, but also just the shots. He gets an emotion that he uses with the camera to go through it and the awareness that people have of being filmed where it's like waving at the camera that adds, you know, kind of a human quality to it and a charm to the, the city. Um, that I've watched Philadelphia three or four times. I've watched that opening scene about 30 times. Um, Philadelphia, I'll say it again, same thing. I'll say this is a movie I think rides on the performances, the, the two lead performances. I think Hanks and Denzel are fantastic in it. Um, just the way what what Hanks does with the illness and how he handles that is so good. Um, that opera scene when he's listening to the opera is just so amazing. And what they do with the lighting and the camera work in there is great. And then uh, Denzel, um, exactly what you're talking about, Cody. I love when I love when a character's arc is like fair, physically represented. And like you can see that just change, like literally, like when he you know first walks in the office and you know he's like backing away and you know not touching anything, and then at the end when he like puts his hands on him, everything like you see, you know, you see that completion of of his of his change there. Um, but I love the first scene when they're together and they're it, you know before anything when they're just working on a case and it's kind of like subvert your expectations because Hanks is you know would technically be considered the bad guy there. He's defending the big business, and Denzel's defending the the, the neighborhood people. Um, so it just kind of plays with your expectations there. And I thought that was interesting. Beyond that, though, I think this movie has kind of some uh, uh, almost like after school special vibes. Uh, I think like the some of the characters, like other than Denzel, like like the the bad characters are just like the these are the bad guys, and the good characters are just like very like way too good. Like there's not like Denzel Denzel character almost looks out of place because there's so much like death and complexity to him. Everybody else is so shallow. And I'm, I'm sure, like, I'm I'm sure in '93, in '93, this movie had its finger on the pulse. But like, I, I now it just feels like kind of like a little like antiquated in its attitudes towards like you know AIDS and, and the homosexual community and everything. Um, but and, and and as far as the way the movie shot, like, I'm not a fan of like the close ups and the staring directly at the camera. Um, I, I I think the movie's kind of like flat and boring in certain places. Um, 
but it's still overall, like I said, just because of those two, it's it's pretty good. Uh, Brian and uh, Ethan on Philadelphia. I was just in wa- enjoying watching Cody while you were talking. Uh, um, I, I, don't, I think I only ever saw Philadelphia once, like when it first came out. Um, and I, while I don't remember the last specifics of it, I do remember it being, you know, it's a very well done moving film. Definitely is mainly an acting showcase. I mean, Tom Hanks obviously does a great job. I thought it was a, a, a lot of credit goes to Jonathan Demme or the producers or whoever did it to cast Tom Hanks in this role because he hadn't really done dramas before this. I mean, some of his movies before this could be, I suppose, called dramedies. But really, this is his first fully dramatic role, and they took a chance on him, and he obviously knocked it out of the park, and since then, he's done so much good. But also, I mean, Denzel Washington is great. Um, with his small part, I thought Antonio Banderas was very good in this movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a good film. Um, yeah, I really like this movie a lot. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I did see it a few times, and I, I always, yeah, thought it was great. Um, I don't agree with Zach that it's Jonathan Demme's like, best film. I, th- I still think that's probably Silence of the Lambs, but... Um, defining was different than best. All right, all right. Defining is, is what you said. That's true. That is true. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I do like, you know, I feel like this kind of movie could be very flat and boring, but like, I actually disagree with what Kirk said because I, I think that Demi's touches elevate it and make it not flat and boring for me. Um, and Denzel Washington's character in that movie has like the perfect, like, quintessential character arc, and it's like so flawlessly executed. Um, Zach said that uh, he really likes the beginning of the movie with the song Streets of Philadelphia, like playing over shots of Philadelphia. Um, you know, and he said that Dog Day Afternoon does that well too. I prefer Dog Days of Afternoon as the song that plays along with those, but um, I do think that uh, it's it's a good song and uh, it's a good movie. All right, Cody, 44. I fucking wish an after school special was that quality. Um, that's what I wish. Um, on my 44, uh, we're going to stay in the same kind of range. Uh, probably Denzel Washington's best uh, uh, performance. Uh, it's Malcolm X. You did this on purpose, right? <laughs> I wish I did. I was looking <laughs> through it and I could have moved some up and down, but I, I hit the 40s and I was like, I love Denzel and I just kept Denzel there. So uh, that's what ended up happening. Um, Malcolm X could be higher. It really could. Um, but I think this is a good range for it. Um, again, I love the civil rights, uh, era, not because of how well it was handled, uh, just how interesting I find it. And I think the two polar opposites of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and how they handled the entire shit. I know, um, there are parts for it. I think the movie is overall a little long, um, for certain areas, but I love where they, where it, uh, goes uh this is denzel washington's by far his best performance it's it's pinned it's a, he no one no one will ever play malcolm x the same way denzel did i think he does an absolute fantastic job throughout this entire film to show this character this real life man and where he took him um i've i've watched that scene the speech outside herbert's diamonds or whatever um so many times though but we were black. Basically, every time you pop a liquor bottle, it's the white man. It, like, just goes and hammers it home. And I think it's just one of his all-time speeches. And if you watch it play-by-play, play, basically, with the Malcolm X, it's crazy how well Denzel does it. And I just like where he takes from the starts to where he finishes. I think Malcolm X is a little long for people. I understand that they won't really like it. But I think it teaches a super important part of American history and where it was, so uh, I could not recommend, I think this is Spike Lee's best film, I love this movie, I love Do the Right Thing and everything, but Malcolm X is the one that I absolutely love, so, yep. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's long, but the thing I like about it is it's almost two completely separate movies. 
because you have the first half, which is him growing up and him, you know, yeah. before before he becomes Malcolm X, and you know him going to prison, and then his transformation. It's cool because you see, you almost see he has like two complete like character arcs. It's like from, you know, him, you know, just his normal life to becoming Malcolm X, and then being like the 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 version, the early version of Malcolm X to becoming the the, the latter version. Um, so there's just there's so much character work going on. It really, like Paul said, you just you have the whole breadth of his life. And everything that uh, you know really happened. Oh, it's not, yeah, it's not a wasted time at all. It, it yeah. deserves the entire runtime it does. But I understand how some people can look at it and sure. talk about the runtime. But. but I think too, he's it's just very. Um, I think I definitely think this is Spike Lee's uh, most well well made movie. I definitely think it's his his best work. Uh, my favorite of his. Um, my computer might die here, so I don't know why it's not charging. But oh, there we go. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, this is another one where I, I put off for a while because of the length. Um, but it's when I saw I'm like, oh no, this this flies by because like I said, it's it's two completely different. You, you get two movies for the price of one with this one. And I um I, and I, I really enjoy it. Um everybody else on Malcolm X. I really love Malcolm X and um I just like the idea of Spike Lee and hopefully, you know, other really um talented filmmakers unique visions taking on um biopics because it is just naturally going to avoid the pitfalls and the tropes of biopics because his style is so specific and that's what makes malcolm x you know stand above it um because he has a at least unique perspective on how to tell us and how to deliver it so um but this do the right thing slander needs to fucking stop you guys are need to chill out I'll slander. Do what do you mean, slander? <laughs> I don't like to do that. I'm not, I'm not generally a Spike Lee fan, to be honest with you. But I, this is this is a good uh, a good movie, and and uh, I, I I understand why it needs to be long, but it definitely feels very long. And for somebody like me, who's not into Spike Lee movies, it is what it is. But uh, th now this is uh, Denzel Washington's best performance, and he deserves he deserved the Oscar he didn't get for this one. Um, I mean, people remember him more for you know big bombastic speeches and things like that. But like you guys have already talked about. I think what made it such a great performance is that transformation, that arc from the beginning character to where he ended up at the end. And so, so for that, he should have got the best. Um, yeah, I have, I have never seen Malcolm X, unfortunately. I've been meaning to for a really long time. I'm not like a huge Spike Lee guy, um, but I will definitely watch it at some point. I'm excited for Cody's next uh, pick, number 43, which will be virtu Virtuosity, I'm sure. Um, but Watch it for the first time this year. Too close to Garvin. It's close. <laughs> Carbon copy, though. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Ethan, we're on to you for your number 47. All right. Um, I had previously said something on this show that, that this wrong. pick will disprove because I, I don't know why I, I said it, but I said at one point that uh, Itumama Tambien was Alfonso Cuaron's best movie. Uh, I was lying to myself and to all of you because 47 is Children of Men. <laughs> <laughs> what a turn. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, Children of Men is uh, Alfonso Cuaron's best movie. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a really, really, um, like, I, I just love the concept. As First of all, like, I love sci-fi movies that have, like, a grounded, real concept and do, like, really big things within the concept of, like, no women have been able to give birth for, like, um, uh, 15 years or so, something like that. Um, and like the world that sets up is, is just so great. And like uh, the way Alfonso Cuaron shoots this movie um, and the way he begins it too with like that, that opening terrorist attack is like, it's, it's so insane. And Clive Owens is, is, is so good. And um, 
Alfonso Cron has always been like a really, really, he's been so good at doing really long takes. Um, and he never feels like he's showing off. Sometimes it feels like those takes are showing off. He, he all of those long takes in this movie just serve to add into this, like in, the intensity in every scene is so crazy. I mean, that, that car chase scene, which has like been talked about to death, but it is just so beautiful and incredible and intense and scary. Um, the um, there's a couple of action scenes towards the end that are just really beautiful and broken shots of like this chaos going on. Um, and this movie just does what a great sci-fi movie should do. It should like say things. It should really have like, you know, it, it's, it is in touch with its themes. Um, all the performances are great. Michael Caine's great in this movie for a little bit. Um, it's, it's a really sad, scary, hopeful, great movie. I, it's like, it's like a perfect sci-fi movie. Uh, yeah, you know me. This is I love this movie. Um, I'm glad you corrected your incorrect statement from before because um, this is definitely Cronin's best work. Uh, I love. I've said this before. I love mundane dystopia. I just love that, like the world where like, it's like humanity is about to come to an end, but people are just kind of still like going to work and doing their routines and everything, and everybody's just depressed and sad about it. But nobody's really like doing anything crazy. They're just well, this just wake up and go through the day. Um, and just like that opening scene where he's getting, getting the coffee and they're listening about the, the kid that died. Um, that scene's great with that. He walks out in the explosion and every, the, the way that's shot. Um, everybody talks about the car chase scene. Uh, I actually prefer the scene at the end where they're, you know, the long shot where they're going up through the steps and with the, you know, with the baby and everything. I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I love this. I'm a big Clive Owen fan. Um, I'm kind of sad that he, just fell off the the face of the earth pretty much you know, he, he pops up here and there but you don't see him that often anymore because i love the guy i'd love to see him and everything um michael kane's character is great and again just the world building this just that like just where humanity is because of what's happening and how people respond to it it's just such an amazing like, like you said sad and beautiful movie and i love it so much um everybody else why did you make the mistake of not having this on your top 100 Congratulations, Ethan. You just won this week's fearless sucks. It was his eight on his top 100. There's no shot of any of us winning because I don't have any of those. Um, I missed I seven to one. Um, overall, uh, Children of Men, I watched way too late. I wish I would have watched it for your top 100. There's just, uh, it's just, it will probably make a revise. I think the movie's absolutely incredible. I just waited on it way too long. Um, but it's, it's absolutely deserves all the hype. I think Michael Caine is absolutely insane in this film. Like that's Michael Caine, right? Everybody mm -hmm. just gave me a blank stare. I'm hoping it's Michael Caine. Yeah, uh, again, right. don't play trivia. But that scene where they're like he he's like pull my finger, just like that one scene. Oh, just just to let them get away. It's just so good. It's not even that long. This movie feels like it should be like three hours <laughs> this movie is quick and by the way shoot um uh kirk is a big fan of shoot 'em up it's proven on the show he's a big clive owen fan so shoot your parents. um at least crow knows if he's going to use the title children of men is going to be a dystopian society that society is not going to go well if only mother raise these kids um anyways i um crow might be the director i love the most that has no movies on my list um i need to do this research i'll create a top 10 list and i'll present that later um Roma was just on my outside which would be my pick but uh children of men, i i love children of men um i think just what it holds it outside like my 
top couple crumbs is I just find some of the lines a little clunky. Some of his delivery of, of the dialogue too, just a little clunky, but it's, it's a beautiful movie. The world building is definitely, um, I think the, you know, best thing about it, the qual best quality about it, um, because it, it captures the starkness without being over the top. I think there's such a tonal perfection throughout this movie as of knowing how dark to take it while keeping moments of levity and action and thrills. Um, he really knows how to, you know, make cinematic fun movies that are also dark and, and thoughtful. So it's great. I do like science fiction movies that are like true science fiction like not everything has to be space and lasers and robots things like that it's just it's just science fiction and i think he does that very well here and i actually like this movie very much when i saw it however um it wasn't until i got to this community where i found this overwhelming love for this movie everybody praising it to death and if they love it great more power to them just i like it a lot but i just i've never loved it the way other people have so it wasn't on my top 100. You're well, get the hell out get the hell out <laughs> You don't love it as much? <laughs> Go watch your last Boy Scout. <laughs> All right, Ethan, uh, 46. All right, 46. I'm going to continue this trend for a little bit of Kirk liking me. So this this movie is uh, Amadeus. Um, um, Amadeus. Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, Falco is also is, is great. Uh, Zach, thank you for the music reference. I love it. Uh, Come back. Amadeus man. is uh, a perfect film. It's uh, Milos Forman. It is. It is like it's one of those movies that for years and years I'd heard about it and I'd seen it. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. Watch this like three hour long or however long it is, like period piece, like about you know Amadeus Mozart, like just whatever. Um, but I eventually I had to watch it in film school and like little caveat here. I've only ever seen the director's cut, so I don't know how different it is. But this is me speaking about the director's cut. Um, and it blew me away. Like it is like this historical epic about it's, it's probably one of my favorite. Uh, I love rivalries in movies that are done really well. And this movie has one of the best on-screen rivalries of all time. I mean, uh, Salieri and, and, uh, Mozart going at it. Like it's so good. Um, F Murray Abraham and, um, Tom Hulse incredible in this movie. Um, the set design, like the, the music, like everything about it. It's so grand and like, well constructed but it's also got this really tight like rivalry story and and it's not very historically accurate which is fine because it's so good and that happened a long time ago so who cares um but it's like so tragic and um and and really it's like this rivalry that probably you know it's just between these two guys but it feels so big and like these these opera scenes where um salieri is watching you know mozart's performances and um these giant like the productions that the that uh, Mila Shorman had to put on just to shoot these scenes, they're like giant opera productions in and of themselves. And like the fact that there's multiple ones of them in the movie, um, and the ending is just so tragic. It's it's just like this movie is fucking incredible. If you want like just a good rivalry movie, you gotta watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Another one that's, uh, that I really love. Uh, my favorite thing about this movie is the relationship between Salieri and uh, Mozart. Just because of just the complete through most of the movie, just complete different wavelengths are on. You know, it's like Mozart thinks Salieri is his best friend because he's completely oblivious and he couldn't imagine anyone doing what Salieri is doing. And Salieri, just as a normal human being, is reacting the way a normal human being would to him, and he can't fathom that. And I love in movies when relationships circle. You know, they start as enemies, they go full circle into friends because even though they're enemies, like no one else understands them or what they're going through. So, like just by necessity, uh, they become 
they become heroes or they become friends. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's my favorite part of this. And uh, F. Murray Abraham's so good, and I think you know he definitely deserves his Oscar. And um, Tom Hulse just creates like basically out thin air. Like who knows what nobody knows anything about Mozart or what he was like, or, you know, if we do, it's just, you know, stuff written down in books, but like he brings that character to life and it's completely made up, but it's still just a great, like when you, when you, what you know about Mozart, you would assume he acts like that. That's what he had. That's what he was like. He really brings that to life. So well, the music is fantastic. It's so obviously it's Mozart, but uh, the way it's used in the movie is so well, that end scene where they're writing the, the Requiem, um, it's so good. And then the, the ending, I mean, I don't think I've ever been as devastated in a movie as just that scene where, uh, you know, one of the greatest, you know, geniuses of all time, his body just gets dumped in a, in a heap and they're playing the Requiem behind it. Man, that stayed with me for days. Every time I watch this movie, it just, it kills me. Um, but yeah, uh, everybody else, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Tell me why you don't have uh, Amadeus on your top 100. Oh, really quick. I just want to add in before you guys go. Um, one of the few fart jokes in movies that I enjoy. <laughs> that will be a future YLS list top for <laughs> jokes. I'll host it. I hate. No. <laughs> uh, I enjoy Amadeus. I, I, I will say the only thing that annoys me about Amadeus, I, I didn't like Tom Wilson's laugh. That annoyed the hell out of me. Um, but I otherwise, it. I mean, the, the movie's good. The music is awesome, of course. I, I'm not sure who did the soundtrack for this, but it's great music to it. Um, yeah, stupid joke, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I actually saw it way too late, too. I, I mean, I saw it years ago at this point, but it was, you know, way later than I should have. I, I you know, was in my, like, probably 30 years old before I finally watched this movie, but great film. Yeah, I like um, Amadeus a whole lot. Um, I think it's always really smart to um, tell a biopic um, through the perspective of someone else. This will be clear with one of my picks that those who know me can expect coming up a lot later. Um, but when you have such a person that's, you know, larger in life and so known through history to kind of show their effect in someone else, um, kind of puts a different perspective, a different lens on. I, I think the only reason why, like, it's not my top 100 or why, like, I truly love this one revisits, I think you do feel the length in this. I think they tread water in some spaces. Um, I think you could cut a bit especially the downfall seems like it goes for a while and it becomes a little miserable um and, and on a different note i know how much we want to mention his name on this show um did the jeffrey jones uh <laughs> honestly like i think the performance of the movie but also the true monster not salieri <laughs> but, <laughs> but really great really great performance i think really um, funny. i i just want to just say bullshit this is just utter <laughs> bullshit that you put as 13th and 8th in this week right now the only thing that we the only thing that i love is the stuff that you might have higher than these two just to see his reaction that will make the show amadeus was almost on my list it was my last one besides and then i talked to coho about changing something like about two days before he kind of gave me this look and i said probably best that we don't do this so it missed it it wouldn't have been like this range you had at the highest but i love amadeus i think this movie is absolutely incredible i love the opening like when he's like playing but he's like do you know this no it's like oh i know that. you can just see it start and then it goes it's such a good movie it's the movie i had to watch for debate and when i had to try to take it down I could, there's no way. So I just conceded that point for sure. So yeah, great movie, great choice. 
And for Paul, I still bullshit. Hero, but it was already just a question in my last match. That's true. That is very true. Cody definitely knows how to play this game. Uh, Ethan, what's your forty-five? All right, now Cody, I just I want you to just remain calm. Okay, everything's gonna be fine. I okay. promise. Number forty-five, Pacific Rib. Um, <laughs> Pacific Rim. Are any exes from this one? Or, no? All right. This is a movie that the first no. time I ever saw it, I may or may not have been under some sort of influence of something. And I saw it in theaters um, and it blew me away. <laughs> like, I love Guillermo del Toro, but this movie, it's, it's just like pure, unadulterated, like fun craziness. Like, it, it, you know, like monsters, ver- giant monsters versus giant aliens. It, yeah, it's stupid. Yes, we know. But so does Guillermo. So does everyone who made this movie. Everyone knows this is stupid, but it's fucking awesome. Um, I also, am, I've said it before on the show, I'm a big fan of cold opens in movies. This movie has a insane action sequence with a really emotional death and like this big crazy thing. And then it's just like, boom, Pacific Rim. And you're like, yeah. And then like, you just dive in, you know, um, it's got great, great monster design. Um, the way Guillermo del Toro shoots this movie, um, a lot of the stuff like with the little girl, like um, in the the flashback sequence when you know that giant kaiju is just walking around and like she's hiding from it. It's like shot terror. It's so terrifying because you're you're with her. You're not like with the monster. Um, and he knows how to shoot the action scenes. Like it, you feel the slow movements, but they're still thrilling action. You know, they feel big. They they don't have that weightlessness that a lot of giant robot movies have or whatever you know like you watch like the new Godzilla versus Kong fun movie but they don't have they don't feel giant because they're just like moving really fast like these monsters feel slow but they're also fighting it's it's really fun um the the whole cast is great like I mean Charlie Hunnam is not like you know he doesn't give a great performance in this movie but it's it's perfectly fine for what his character is um Idris Elba is is so good he gives his a Bill Pullman speech I mean we're canceling the apocalypse like that's it's such a good speech such a good moment charlie day is fun as a crazy scientist um this movie's a fucking blast um I, I wish i could watch it again for the first time it's so much fun yeah i love this movie i think everybody knows how much i love this movie uh yeah the opening <laughs> scenes i watched it i was completely sober and i was still blow it away so i mean, I, I don't know if i anything to do with it by the not anything but um i love because a lot of movies like this like they make you wait to, to you know for the big money shot the first scene of this movie is just a kaiju destroying the Gold Gate Bridge, like right out of the gate. And then they show you, like, they, they just kind of like just show you the next 10 years, 10, 15 years of what happens to humanity. It's so great because, like, it starts out like it's terrifying and then it becomes like a t shirt and an action figure and nobody's worried about it anymore. And then it becomes a problem again. So it just, it's just such a realistic way of how humanity would handle a situation like this. Um, and yeah, you're right. Guillermo just elevates genre stuff. That's what he does. He takes something that's you know cheesy and silly and he makes it better just by being him and making it his own. Um, the I love but I love I love perspective in movies. I love movies with big things that you know seen from a you know from from down low. Um, that scene of that uh, you you mentioned with the little girl running um, that over the over the shoulder shot from the Kaiju's perspective looking down on her is probably like the best thing I've seen on a screen this decade. That single shot was just so amazing. I love that shot so much, but there's so many little moments like that in the movie. And yeah, the human characters aren't great. Um, 
but I mean, they're better than they are in a lot of the Kaiju movies. I mean, like Charlie Day is really good. Um, Ron, uh, Ron Perlman's a lot of fun. His character is really cool. And just like their little subplots, like, you know, what they're doing, like just the fact that like they're monetizing and find a way to make money out, out off the Kaiju. Um, just, you know, a lot of that, like I said, that world building in this movie is really good. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's not, it's not some deep intellectual, you know, thinker, but it's so much fun. I love this movie. Uh, everybody else, Pacific Rim. This fucking lifeboat, you're 44. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is just suck up to fucking Kirk all week. I forgot. He had a 53 last. There's what? Congratulations, Ethan. I'm so proud of you tonight. Um, I had a, I had a after school special as my, you know, Monday stuff. Um, that was really cool. Uh, Pacific Rim, I've said this on the show. I like Pacific Rim. I really do. I think Pacific Rim is one of those things that the Transformers wish they could have done, like they should have been able to do. Um, what he was able to capture of that second one didn't happen. We'll just say that. But the, this first one is a gem. Um, yeah. Congratulations, Ethan. I'm so happy for you. You're all fucking psychos. This movie's bad. Oh. Anyone who's like, you know what's okay. great? Down. I, go to, down. I go to Godzilla and King Kong because I want to see large things fight the large things. You know what else is fucking large? Anything on a fucking movie theater. Everything's big. You can't fucking tell it's big. If it was a real robot out in Madison, punching shit, I'm like, I'm fucking in. But on the screen, it looks like every other fucking thing that fights on the screen. It's not that exciting. I don't really get it because usually it always evolves around like dumb manipulative, not manipulative, manipulative in a way that everything is contrived just to make an excuse for a reason to have bitch, big shit fight other shit when no one ever cares about the actual fucking story. Just like in this, the story doesn't never matter. Never going to win your no shit. <laughs> I'm going to win the heart of America vote for Zach Ford for uh, governor of Wisconsin. Um, shit, that's a bad idea. Um, Anyways, <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> um, I love Del Toro and he makes beautiful movies, and somehow it's all forgotten in this because it's just gray shit punching other vaguely gray shit, and it's it all just like in the dark. It's not great, it, it's wow. like so boring in a way that I'm not used Did to. You watch it on a black and white TV by accident, <laughs> I watch this on this big screen where everything is big. Do you know what's as big as the robot on the movie screen when they show just a person on the screen a scene later? They're the same size. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's bad. The second one's a fucking abysmal, but this one's also bad. Uh, I I should have loved this movie. I wanted to love this movie. It seems like something that'd be up my alley. I didn't though. It was it was Whoa. okay. It was okay. Part of that's because I think Guillermo del Toro is highly overrated. Yeah, I said it. Deal with it. Um, but and people people trash Puff Severe and Uprising. Not a great movie. I'm not saying it is, but it's probably on par with this one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Leave, right? I mean, I mean, come on. And as far as we believe, I mean, I mean, there's these giant monsters coming up. So with, with all of humanity has in, in creating new weapons and bombs and missiles and gun, whatever. No, no, that's not going to work. Let's make something go over there and punch the monster. That's what we need. Put all our money into this giant things that two people have to do. The whole drifty thing is stupid, by the way. And we have to punch the monster to death. I mean, come on. It's, it's, Gosh, I'm looking a lot it. better now. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam is really quite bad in it. Um, I will say it gets points for having Charlie Day in it and Ron Perlman. Other than that. Yeah. I'm All right. a lot better. So, Ethan, <laughs> you're on a great roll. Let's keep it going. What's your 44? Uh, Lifeboat. You want Godfather Part 2? What do you want to throw out? I'll tell Cody. you. I'll read you the list. Cody. Don't worry. You're, you're going to be real happy right now. 
because this is where I undo all of the goodwill that I've built up this episode, and possibly oh, shit. all of you the put episodes. something higher. You put something higher than. This, this is the movie that I think will single-handedly lose this entire ser- series for me. Um, this movie is called Marquee. Um, this movie is Google about it, Mar- Cody. This movie is about the Marquis de Sade. Um, uh, it takes place during uh, 18th century, the storming of the Bastille. Uh, it's Marquis de Sade's imprisoned in the Bastille in France, 18th century France. And if you're not familiar with him, he wrote the 120 Days of Sodom, Justine. He was this like famous French libertine who just wrote the most horrific, disgusting, awful things you could ever write. Um, this movie, um, directed by, I think his name is pronounced Henri Jeannot, I'm not sure exactly, but um, all of the characters um, are animals, and they're depicted as animals with um, animatronic animal heads. Um, and there are these animated sequences. There's... Um, there's uh, stop motion animated sequences where um, the marquee is describing his um, these horrific, you know, sexual fantasies he's having, um, and his co-star in the movie is um, is a puppet of his penis named Colin. So he's got this penis that he speaks to, and it's um, it's the second to the movie. <laughs> and I was gonna tell that. So if you. <laughs> If you were worried that my penis count for the movies was low, this more than wakes up for it because this penis takes up like 50% of the screen time. Um, this movie is incredibly dark and uncomfortable and distressing. Yeah, there's, that's the marquee as a dog, and that's his penis. He's talking to his penis named Colin. And the puppetry is great. The story is, is really fascinating. It's like this, you know, like political, you know, thing, but it's also, it, it's exposing the hypocrisy of like French aristocrats and it's like, it's getting down to like what's what's with all these libertines and stuff, and I just this movie is probably the weirdest movie I've ever seen. It's the weirdest movie you'll ever see, and it's so purely French and weird and and. But I I love it. I love how balls to the wall it is. I love how crazy it is. Um, if you want to watch a weird movie, watch this movie. Um, I apologize, Kirk, for making you watch this movie. A little peek behind the curtain. I asked Kirk specifically. I said. Of all my movies, I just this is the only one I request you to watch. Just watch this movie. Um, yeah, so I, I bet he loved it. I can't wait to hear what he he thought of it. This motherfucker don't miss. No, he <laughs> he's gonna love uh, it. Cody is gonna get real bad. <laughs> yeah, um, Cody, you could never uh, question my dedication to this show <laughs> because Ethan asked me to watch this movie and I did it. and dear lord I mean he's not kidding the penis is the second lead in this movie like it's not like just a thing that shows up and like it's like a little like gag in a scene like it is the like probably the main character or like the secondary character like he is everywhere in this movie like this is the penis to end all penis for this list like this is it's crazy and that may not be the weirdest thing about this movie Um, like I'm like there's Movie opinions about movies, good movies, bad movies, and then you just like seriously worry about people. Like, I after I was done watching this, I was like, Ethan, are you okay? Do we need to talk? Because this is some really messed up stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it's, I mean, I like I said, this goes beyond just criticizing you for liking the movie. I, I'm worried. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's worth it though, like to see Cody's face as you're describing. He's like, I, as, as I'm watching, I'm like, I cannot wait to introduce Cody to this movie 
and just what it's all about because he's gonna love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I knew more about Marquis de Sade or French history, French politics, I'd probably get a lot more of the satire. And it, it's probably like you know, a lot of it's like probably really clever. Um, but it I is. don't. So um, it's just a weird puppet penis movie to me, and I don't know what to do about that. I'm uncomfortable talking about it. So um, anybody else see this one? This man put a penis movie above Amadeus, above Pacific Rim, above... Yes! There is hope in this world! You fucked up in the best way possible! You couldn't have done this better! You took children of men, Amadeus, and Pacific Rim and then threw a dick in front of it! How do you do this? This is literally a person that has the game when you touch that in their hand and you decided to fucking chuck it out of the stadium! <laughs> This is brilliant. I never thought this was... This movie can't be fucking real. I'm going to be honest with <laughs> oh, you. It's real. I saw that, and before you even uttered the word, I was like, that's a dick. That's 100% a dick. And mm-hmm. then you said, yeah, it's the second. It's the 50% of the... Oh, I was like, oh, God. Kirk, I'm so happy you did this show, but no, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Ethan, you just literally shot yourself right before you're about to be set free. Oh, that's great. I, I've oh. seen an 80s talking penis movie called Me and Him. I've seen a sentient penis movie called Bad Johnson. And I've seen a, a horror movie with a killer penis uh, uh, called uh, One-Eyed Monster. But I, I have not seen this one. Um, Maybe I should add to it and make it a whole series. This movie has 3,500 logs on Letterboxd, so it like, does not exist. The director's name also starts and ends with an X, which is more appalling than the penis to me. That just should not be allowed. <laughs> Um, but also, like he mentions puppetry, and I'm I'm fucking in. This is Muppets Days talking penises. Let's go for it. Yes, yes. I'm just Let's really see. worried. I'm just really worried that Ethan's going to be able to develop a strength of dick movies that are going to be able to pop up in Warzone. I'm really well pop up that he's going to be able to put in more. Oh, this is just bad. We'll just move on. This is terrible. Um, I do think you're a coward. This should have been in top ten. Hey, come on. <laughs> Hey, what the hell's wrong with you? 44, you coward. You hit it at the back of this. <laughs> All right. This is uh, when the shit counts, remember, Kirk? Top 50. You can't let this shit slide anymore. Yeah. I yeah, it counts, but I don't I I I've been lost for words here, uh, Cody. Uh Brad Ron. Children you, of men? It, <laughs> just remember that. Uh Brad Rod, you're 47. I just want to thank Ethan. For that segue into my list, because now no matter what I put here, it's going to look good. Uh, maybe. Uh, my 47, I guess I'm on, would be Heathers. Good choice. Good, I think somebody choice. else had this. Ethan, oh, yeah, sorry. Think. That was pre-exposed. Yeah. Yeah. I was busy so, uh, sending this link to someone. Heathers is, is kind of, you know, you take like a, a John Hughes teen comedy, but put a much darker edge to it. It's almost at times like... Tim Burton kind of tried to make the Don Hughes movie um, between the music and, of course, how Winona Ryder and everything. Um, Winona Ryder, this is kind of the first like role where she kind of really broke out. I thought she she kind of showed that she could be a real great actress. Christian Slater is just doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. There's no hiding that. Even he doesn't hide that. He admits it. But, you know, it worked for the role. Um, but, yeah, this is a movie that just it had a very kind of biting humor to it and a very dark humor that when I saw this when I was in high school, so it like perfect time for me. And I just really latched onto it and, and really liked it. I mean, the performances across the board, but, but mostly the story and, and the writing of it. Um, 
I'll, I'll let Ethan talk more about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Brian said. Um, this movie is, it, it is, it does have like a Tim Burton feel to it. Um, I love it so much. It's so much fun. It's just like, it's also like, I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sure there's tons out there, but I feel like if you go in the 80s and you look up like, you know, teen comedies, like you don't have like a lot of like really dark stuff. And like, no, this, no. this was really dark, like dealing with like suicide and like, you know, <clears throat> teenage suicide and like in a really, really funny way, um, which is really hard to do. And the fact that they, they, you know, nail it is, is like really impressive. Um, I'm a huge Winona Ryder fan and Christian Slater fan. So the two of them together, they have great chemistry. Um, Christian Slater is such a good villain. Like he's having so much fun in this movie and you can just feel it. Um, uh, there was a, a bar I used to go to called Vide- Videology in Brooklyn. And the best drink on the menu was called I'm a Veronica. And I got it every time. And it was named after this movie um, because Winona Ryder has a fantastic line where she says, I'm a Veronica. Um, yeah, I think they, uh, there was like a, sh- Brian will definitely know, right? There was like a shitty like MTV like TV show they tried oh making of this. There was an MTV show that was supposed to be made a reboot and they completely changed everything. Even the maker of Heather's like, we got nothing to do with this. Um, but it got delayed and delayed because of like school shootings and things because there's a lot of dark edge to it. And it finally got kind of dumped online, I think. But it's it's horrible. I watched one episode of it and it was awful. Yeah, it looked it looked like. But yeah, like you said before, this this hadn't really they hadn't really seen kind of something darker like this, and it's, I mean, it's been imitated to death since then. But this was at the time. Yeah, totally. This is like a perfect dark comedy. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Christian Slater's really good in it, um, and he brings like, I mean, that darkness to it. I think I think his just the way he plays it, you know, what he does, he's kind of like the. The centerpiece of the movie um, kind of takes that whole, like Brian said, the whole 80s uh, teen comedy thing and turns it on the air. Um, the story's fun. It's funny. Uh, for me, though, it just has too many. It's It still has a lot of those 80s teen comedy tropes that I hate. Um, just like the like the stock high school characters. It just It's just a, one of those like 80s scripts where it's like, I don't know, man. Like you, you mentioned right now, like I don't know, like what's some stuff rich people do? It's like I don't know. They they play croquet and they have a bunch of statues in their yard. Like it just so like out, like it just doesn't feel real at all. Um, and I rewatched the other day. I was on the fence. Um, I didn't remember this part, um, but Winona Ryder unironically wears a monocle throughout the movie, and that just made me completely completely hate her character. I just despise that character after that. Like just really got on my nerves um so that tipped me the balance um good 80s uh high school comedy as far as hot those go um but still too much like the ones that i dislike i'm free to really love it um 47 is really high where'd you have it at ethan um i had it at 51 I think. it doesn't matter it's still too high it's, it's it doesn't belong <laughs> it was 51 last week. Uh, uh cody and zach odd headers i, I really enjoy it you talk, I talk. You talk, yeah, I talk. Okay. Um, I love Heathers. I watched it for the first time this year. I really, really enjoyed Heathers. Everybody told me to stay away from this because they didn't think I would like it. It turns out I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I just, it's one time watch and it was very recent, so I couldn't put it on my list. But more watches, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but hey, I didn't put it on my list, so I get no bad stuff about it. So you two fucking suck. Shitty job. Good job. Good job, Kirk. You're the best person on the show. 
I have not seen it, even though it's one of my brother's favorite movies, and it seems like something I would really love, um, especially after Kirk said, Winona Ryder unironically wears a monocle. That sounds like the most attractive movie character of all time. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I just, I just, as soon as you said that, I was like, what if Rachel McAdams one time wears a monocle? Zach would be 100% into a movie like that. So, yeah, that's a- yeah I think I'll, everyone should wear a monocle. I'm going to ask my wife and buy my, my wife a monocle for Christmas. <laughs> Uh, All right, Brian, what is your 46? Uh, My 46 is a little shop of horrors. Yikes. Okay. All right. Uh, My 45 then is Gladiator. Uh, Yikes. Okay. And 44 uh, was, I think I yikes somebody earlier, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, didn't know what you were bringing up. Um, so I guess I get to talk about that one. Um, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie that I, I wasn't sure what to expect going into this. I mean, I was I was on the whole, you know, MCU train, you know, 100%. So I was like loving everything they came out with. And then they announced this one, which I, I think I'd heard the title, but didn't know anything about it. And then I started looking into it. I'm like, oh, it's got a talking raccoon and it's got a tree who only says I am Groot. And I'm like, what the fuck is it? Because at the time, MCU was a lot more grounded. You know, it was, it was staying you know it wasn't outer space it wasn't you know things it was, it was a lot more grounded and so i saw this I'm like this is going to be the mcu's first flop and then i saw the trailer for it and uh it was pretty awesome and then i went and saw the movie and i loved every second of this movie i mean chris pratt who previously had just been like you know kind of the, the chubby funny guy on community uh not community um parks and rec um i thought he was perfectly cast for this role he kind of kind of had a, a perfect personality for it I thought Rocky Raccoon, the talking raccoon, which shouldn't work in a movie. Um, I thought he was one of the best characters in the movie. I mean, the whole cast across the board. I'm not going to go through listing everybody. But uh, I thought that the whole cast. You should quote it. But no, I'm not going to. But uh, I think the real star of the movie is James Gunn. James Gunn, who wrote and directed this. I think that his kind of offbeat voice from, from his previous film, which I love, you know, like Slither and, and uh, all the other things he had done. I, I thought that his weird voice coming into the mcu this was the perfect property for him to have taken on and uh they created a whole new world which obviously i I, the sequel wasn't as strong but i still enjoyed it i think a lot more than than a lot of people um but i am real anxious to see three to see where that one goes but this is just one of those movies that was such a pleasant surprise for me and i just grinned watching this movie from beginning to end uh yeah it was my 87 uh probably people knowing me should have been higher uh the second one fucking ruins this first one i hate the second one with the passion the first one was uh, is perfection to me as a comic book movie i watched it the first night i went back in and watched it again i watched it back to back i think this movie has so much heart throughout the entire movie uh the music itself plays as a character which i think is just brilliant what they're able to do i think it's one of the best soundtracks to any movie ever it may be just the music choices they choose but i have so much fun with it the big ground everybody's downside on this movie is ronin but again it's not about ronin it's about like the characters becoming the team it doesn't it could have been anybody to play that part it didn't matter um I just think Star Lord, like him trying to like balance like man taken from taken from Earth on like one of the saddest openings of any movie ever. 
never gets to say goodbye to his mom, and then goes up. I love what they do with the humor in this movie, that they fail in the second one, and they fail every time after that, where they make Drax's character that just, like, literal things and doesn't, like, he doesn't understand, like, the metaphors. <laughs> like, it'll go right over his head. I know it won't. I'll catch it. Like, those brilliant jokes that they waste in this one. Um, and I think the action just works really well. Like, when they steal the battery and they have to escape, and they're like, hey, I need that guy's leg. And they're like, I actually gave that guy money for the leg. Oh, I didn't need it. It was funny. It just, that cast works super well. And I think it does the best thing in film history. It gives Vin Diesel three lines, and you can't really tell it's him. So, it's brilliant. Best acting he's ever done. So, I'll stand by. Yeah, I really uh, like this one. Oh, sorry. Uh, you, I forgot this. You, yeah, my bad. You, no. okay. you know how the show works. Uh, never allowed never back. This is, <laughs> this is probably top three or four uh, MCU for me. I really love it. Um, yeah, as I, as somebody who read the co- you know a lot not this comic but a lot of comics growing up, we they announced this. I'm like I I was vaguely familiar. I knew the Guardians of the Galaxy was a thing. I never read it or anything about it. Uh, I was really surprised. This is what they decided to go with. Um, and I don't even know if like this sticks with the tone of the comic at all, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what the tone of the original, you know, source material was. Um, but it was a great choice to go this way. I think James Gunn was a great get, and this was a great project to give him. I think if they had given him a more established character or a more established group uh, that they had to take a little more serious and be careful with, you probably would have like an Edgar Wright situation where it just wouldn't have worked out because you know he wants to do his, you know he's somebody who would want to do his own thing um but let kind of letting him loose in this world in this playground that kind of i don't want to say it didn't matter but it wasn't like anybody was like super connected to Groot or star lord and care, would care if you got the characters wrong um you know and just let him loose in this and it's a great way to introduce the um just the cosmic side of marvel which has always been like one of the most fun one fun parts of that universe is just the cosmic and all the different aliens species and worlds um to explore there great way to introduce that like you said the music is amazing um just the choice to do that on top of everything else um is just really a cherry on top and yeah uh the 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 characters, the acting, the banter, the dialogue, everything is so good. It's so it's just so crisp and spot on. Uh, really good, just a good, good movie. To take you know, take it out of the MCU, whatever. Just a really fun, good movie. Uh, Zach and Ethan on Guardians. Um, yeah, I'm not huge on Marvel movies, but um, I, I just this is like my favorite one. I think I, I really I love Guardians of the Galaxy one, the first one. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone already touched on all those points. Like the, the soundtrack's great; it's really funny. Um, Kirk said the cosmic stuff. That is my favorite part of Marvel. Um, the visuals are are really really cool. Um, the cast works really well. Everyone's perfect for the characters. Um, I even like um, uh, Lee Pace. Right? Uh, he's growing. Yeah, I like him. I mean, we, we could have done with more of him. You know, he's a little underdeveloped, but he's he's a good villain. And he's fun. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I agree with Cody uh, completely, which uh, is that everything this movie does right, the second one does not. I know we're not talking about the second one, but it made me disappointed because I was so excited for it after this one. Um, and I just, I'm not a fan of it. But um, yeah, I think this is still like maybe my favorite Marvel movie. It, it is a really sad beginning um, and really touching in a lot of ways that that a lot of the other ones don't do it for me. Um, I, I, James Gunn's got that style. And I hope that, you know, his next couple movies, he can kind of go away from that silly humor that he like, really overdid in the second one 
Um, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and the humorous ones to me are what superhero movies should be. The people who think that like Marvel movies have gotten too jokey and creepy are like the man children that like fucking think they need to be so serious. And no, comic book movies are for are for adults. You're the guy who can't watch a horror movie because it's uh, just killing and there's no emotional depth. No, that. I agree with that, that movie. I just think comic book movies, the purpose of it is to be engaging and fun, and they should be kind of jokey. They are silly and, and inherently kind of kiddish. So fucking embrace it. Be the movie that you're trying to be. Um, I will say, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I fucking like it better. Uh, the fucking Ugh. villain is a planet. It's fucking weird. The only way to even beat that is for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 to have their villain being a giant talking penis, and then fucking Ethan's in. Um, James Gunn's yes. gonna pull that shit oh, off. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, it's great. Well, I'm you also father in some place. Holiday special. So, hmm. penis might be in that one. Who knows? Santa penis, Santa dick. All right, uh, Zach, it's your turn. Uh, what is your forty-seven? Speaking of Santa dicks, uh, my number forty-seven um, is Before Sunrise. Or sunrise, not sunset. You wrote set. Guy, I'm in sunrise. (laughs) On my my letterbox list, let's double check. You had sunrise. Sunrise. Co-host the dumbass. I win. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't get paid. Be nice to him. I need him after the series is over. (laughs) Okay. Before sunrise, which um, it's fine if it's sunset. I kind of put this as representative of the series, which I mostly did with the exception of the Muppets. Spoiler alert. Um, And there is something to be said with what I have for anything a franchise. um, All tends to be the first of a series. Maybe there's something that... um, about me just liking the start of it all because you know sequels are inherently i don't want to say treading water because i think the before series are still finding new ground but still working off territory that has been had i came to these really late um but but nothing has better understood like romantic chemistry than i think the before series by the way i just see kirk you know having his head on his hand and this is when he's going to look like the jackass and i get to come off as the hero because this is the wrong take um, so, uh, this is what I said, the annals, the annals of history is going to look at me the right way. Um, but, but the chemistry between Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, which it comes off so fast, it's the first day of them showing, comes off so sincere, um, and, you know, sexy without being explicit in its, in its sexuality, um, and just raw in a way that I feel like we can feel on the everyday basis. Now, these are, this is not necessarily how we speak. Um, but how we speak, if we are much more emotionally articulate and able to express ourselves and open with our true selves, it's like if our inner selves were able to come out fully, um, th- th- this is how, how we can be. It's it's speaking in the most rawest, truest form of ourselves. Um, but it, you know, it, it's written um, down. If I can write out every, my, every day of my life before I live it, this is how I, I can speak. Um, it, so it's like animal born away. This is in a way not just something we can see ourselves in, but something we kind of want to see ourselves in is, as how we can be um, a romantic partner, someone that can be so true and honest with people. And I think what they're able to do with the evolution of these characters through the series is, is really remarkable because I do think they find new depth and different um, 
ages of the relationship. Um, Julie Delpy, honestly, is a standout. And, and you know, Frenchness is probably part of this, but she should have a bigger career in America. Um, but, I mean, she's great in everything she does even to this day. I, I just, um, you know, great. I think having them co-write the movie, um, especially the later ones, um, really helps it come off so so honest, too, because they have such control of the characters. Cody, chill the fuck out with your fist. It's gonna be show. horrible because he's just gonna no. make himself seem like a jackass and I'm gonna get him a dunce cap. No, 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 no. <laughs> the Scott mute if you don't want to hear the truth. Um are you done, Zach? I'm done. Okay, listen, this movie came out in 1995. That's the year I graduated high school. And there was a guy, a type of guy in back then, and it probably exists in all eras, but very specific 90 mid 90s type of guy who like was three months into his freshman year and had like three classes of his introduction to philosophy and thought he was the most brilliant guys guy in the world and he was you know and he was going to use that all this brilliance to go pick up chicks and he had thought he had so much to say but he really had absolutely nothing to say and it, it was just like real jealousy Sorry. it was just no because i'll tell you next thing i'm about to say as embarrassing as it is there were times i was that guy i'm not proud to admit it but i was that guy I look, back, I look back on that shamefully sounds relatable ethan hawk is completely that guy i mean he just blathers on for however long this movie on says so much and says absolutely nothing at the same time. Just door, like just nonsensical dorm room philosophy has nothing to offer. Like in a normal movie, his character would be like the douchey windbag that is trying to steal the girl away from the, uh, from the main character. But because it's a link later movie, the douchebag is the hero. And like, if this movie approached, uh, like anything he had to say or anything that happens with any kind of like objectivity or like looked at it like ironically, but like the movie because again because it's like it takes itself so seriously, it thinks it's more everything he's saying is brilliant and it's not. It's just like such like generic college freshman nonsense. And it I I haven't watched the other two. I watched this because everybody hyped it up so much, and I watched it. I'm like I just wasted, you know an hour and a half or two hours, however long the stupid movie is. Um, but yeah, this movie sucks. Everybody else on uh, Before Sunset. I really like this film. I really like the trilogy. I enjoy the trilogy. I did not think I would like it, uh, but I found it very, very uh, intriguing. Um, I've, I believe it was overhyped for a long time, and it actually held up for me pretty well. Um, I, I'm sorry that Kirk knew a guy. I didn't know this guy, um, you know, and I wasn't this guy. So Ethan Hawke played well to me. I just like, but I will say I didn't have this on my fucking list. So <laughs> Zach, you're an idiot. And by the way, it's a bullshit rule. And I'm just going to lay it out there right now. If anybody else has something, if you're putting the before sunrise or you're putting uh, something else on your thing to qualify for the trilogy, that shit don't work here. So don't try. You motherfucker okay? put the whole body affair. It's a release <laughs> that actually happened and he counts yeah. it as one. 
you can't I didn't count three as, films as, as, as yeah. If you travel to the New Beverly, to and be fair, I didn't mean this as a representative. Like <laughs> I didn't count my score. I meant like okay. I'm not gonna waste my list and putting other ones. I'm gonna put one. But this I'm just count. saying this you're, is you're, you're, gonna put, you're gonna waste put, one spot on your list instead of three. Okay, it's more. I'm just explaining why I didn't put the other ones on. Doesn't count. So you yeah. only have this movie. Bye. Well, I, I wanted to clarify that he did mean Sunrise, not Sunset, when it first came up because for me it's very different. Because I really liked Sunrise. Sunset I thought was not as good, but I still enjoyed it. And by the time we got to midnight, I was kind of like, okay, I didn't really like this one that much. It's just mostly just angry at each other the whole movie. Um, but then when we came out, I was in shit early twenties. I basically I'm basically Ethan Hawke's age, and actually back then in this age, this is back when I liked Ethan Hawke a lot because I mean actually I, I looked a lot like him, had the same hair, the same clothes. I actually looked like him back then. This and reality bites and shit like that. Um, so this movie came out. I I wish I could have been that guy actually, Kirk. Not, not you know pseudo philosophical necessarily, but he was you know kind of suave. You know knew how to talk to the ladies. That was not me. Shocker, I know. Um, but this is a movie I. I went into really knowing nothing about uh, because I mean, obviously it's just essentially one long conversation, but it totally worked for me. You know, this is like, uh, I don't know, my dinner with Andre for the Gen X set, I guess, but, but it worked for me and I, and I like, I really enjoyed it. And I was looking forward to the sequel. Didn't quite live up for me, but liked it. Um, I have been meaning to watch this trilogy for a very long time and I haven't yet. And I will do it soon. I promise. Um, I went to do it recently, and I don't think they were streaming, so I, just, I was like, eh, I'll watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space again or something. You're better off. I'm you're really surprised. You're going to get, get more intelligent dialogue on a Killer Clowns than you are from this movie, I promise you. I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised Paul left the chat right before this entire yeah, thing. I was, was for, I was waiting for him this to This is a moment where he would have ripped into Kirk. It would have been great. Yeah, he would have been wrong too, but okay. Um, Zach, what is your number 46? Perfect. Number 46 is um, 1967's The Producers. Um, this is my favorite Mel Brooks movie. I like Mel Brooks a lot. That humor really works for me. Um, I think this one is the least, it's like not a parody movie. It's the most coherently a story, which is not necessarily like what I look for, but I think it helps it function in a way. Um, but I think his exaggeration of the characters, the eccentricities of the characters is just like um, every single one works and every single one is, is like super funny. And they, like every 40 minutes they introduce someone new. Um, that's just hilarious. I think, um, like low key, my favorite performance, which I don't have on the top of my head, but is who they the, during the casting is like kind of flamboyant drug addict, um, over the top guy going for the lead. It is just so hilarious in everything um, he does. Um, and then, of course, um, having you know Kenneth Mars as um, like Nazi. I think that that Mel Brooks, if anyone's going to pull off Nazi humor, it's him having it like so earnestly told within this musical. Um, but I think the highlight of this movie is it starts off with like a twenty-five minute long scene of Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder just kind of like hatching their scheme together, and it just establishes their comedic chemistry perfectly. Zero Mostel, no one gives the energy of like a showbiz sleaze better than that guy is able to do. I think um, he really works within it. But Gene Wilder is one of my favorite comedy actors of all time. Um, I think his like grievishness um, within this is, is a perfect counteract to that Zero Mostel over the top energy. Um, and, and especially when Gina Wilder gets a shout in his nervousness, the like three minute scene of, you know, I'm angry, angry, upset, and I'm what? And 
I can't remember fucking quotes, but it's it's uh, just like I say this is one of my favorite lines, and I can't say it, but it is one of my favorite lines, favorite moments. I I, I think he just has you know the perfect energy for what Mel Brooks is able to deliver. Uh, it, it, the movie's hilarious. I actually have not seen the musical. I'll be watching it um, soon, uh, but I, I I think it works with the spare songs it has. It has you know kind of a weird pacing inside with the long scenes, um, but it really you know functions. Um, yeah, I like this. I like this better than the musical, uh, the stage musical, and the movie version of the stage musical. I think this is the best version of this story. Uh, I'm a, I, you know, you guys know I don't, I'm not a big fan of parody movies, so I like Mel Brooks better when he's just telling original stories and you know, tell you know, bringing his own original humor to it instead of trying to, you know, knock something else off. Um, but yeah, it's a fun story. Uh, Gene Wilder is so perfectly cast in this. He just that kind of. Um, you know, his neuroses that he brings out uh, in his characters is, is so perfect for this. And um, Zero Marcel is really good as, uh, you know, the, the foil to that, like Zach was saying. Um, and like you said, just the idea of, you know, taking the worst possible thing of, you know, the, you know, the story about Hitler and making that their failure and really just going for it uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, this is a pretty good one. Uh, everybody else on the producers. I need to try and watch this one again sometime because, I mean, first of all, Mel Brooks, with very few exceptions, Mel Brooks movies suck. They are just horrible. They are not funny. I mean, this is a guy who uh, everything is just puns and dad jokes. And it's just, I, I really do not like Mel Brooks' brand of humor at all. Um, one of the few ones that worked for me, though, was Young Frankenstein. So, you know, you got Mel Brooks, you got Gene Wilder. I thought I'd like this one. I think I sat through, like, like Zach was talking about that 25 minute opening scene. And I didn't laugh at all. And so I think I finally turned it off. So I've never actually watched this whole movie. So maybe someday I'll give it another try. Um, I've only seen the remake of this movie. Um, and I know this is not fair to this movie because I haven't seen this movie, but I don't like the remake. But I, I, I will watch this one at some point. I absolutely love the remake. Um, <laughs> so if I could do something, and if I could make a movie where I take Gene Wilder and put him with Nathan Lane... It would be like the dream for me, like because uh, I love I love Nathan Lane. I don't like Matthew Broderick in this one, and I love Gene Wilder. And I'm not a big fan. I can't think of the actor's name, but yeah, I'm with. I love the musical. I love the. I I love this movie too. I love both of them. I think they both work really well. Uh, but yes, it's the hus I'm hysterical. I'm wet and I'm in pain. Uh, though just Gene Wilder like doing that entire thing is just brilliant. When he's like, it just slowly adds. It's like, what do I do? Get the hell away! Get away from me! Um, and the springtime for Hitler stuff, like that stuff, just you know, it just works. It just works so well with Mel Brooks. And I'm not a big Mel Brooks fan comedy either. But the producers just is something I can get behind. But yeah, I'm sadly in the camp that I really like the remake more than this one. But hey, they're both good. All right, Zach, what is your number 45? Um, my 45, 45, my only Hitchcock one here is Vertigo. This is my son Daniel's history, but look at me correctly. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Vertigo has. An atmosphere that I really go for because it has like this supernatural, ghostly atmosphere without actually being a supernatural um, story at all. But it kind of keeps you in your edge of your seat, keeps you, you know, the mysteriousness um, around to keep you engaged. Um, 
but doesn't need to go there. It's like the our real life and our, our real world mysteries can 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 feel unreal and feel surreal, you know, at other times. Um, but I think primarily it's just it's like Hitchcock firing on all levels. The you know cinematography, the angles he uses throughout the movie, and the score all all create the suspense, the romance, um, to perfection. This is you know top tier um, filmmaking, and I think surprisingly the chemistry um, between um, James Stewart and I'm going to say the wrong Hitchcock actress. I just noticed I'm avoiding it. I was going to say Ken Novak, right? Yes, going with it. Okay, Kim Novak and I almost said Vera Miles. Um, between Kim Novak and James Stewart, even though I'm sure there's like decades apart, because that's how Hitchcock movies work, um, it is like pretty fiery. It, it like it like functions, which creating romantic chemistry with James Stewart, I think, is pretty hard. Uh, but I think to get that credit to Kim Novak a little bit, but especially to you know this hyper romantic score. Um, um, flying throughout it. Um, and it's one of the best climaxes on the film. And it ends really abruptly, but in a very satisfying way, in a very unexpected way. Um, and I think it's just his most complex movie, complex both in tone, both in themes, um, and just like something that has new layers story-wise to kind of gather every time, new pieces to pick up on every time. Um, Sun theories, I think that helps a lot. Um, Hitchcock should run in theories every year, but it's great. So. Uh, okay, I know I'm in the minority here. I know this is considered one of Hitchcock's best, so, you know, one of the best movies ever. Uh, but this movie is kind of boring. Um, the story, I agree with Zach, the, the, the premise and the story is great. Um, but there's just a lot of Jimmy Stewart driving around San Francisco looking confused in this movie for long periods of time. Sounds um, lovely. I don't know if. <laughs> If I hope Joseph's still in the chat because I know he'll back me up on this. Um, yeah, and I, the, the thing, I mean, there's Hitchcock I like better than others, but this is the only Hitchcock movie that ever bores me. And, you know, like, because like, I, I just watched it recently. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I thought, well, maybe my take on it is right. I watched it I'm like, wow, this is, I just don't get it. And even Jimmy Stewart, like, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart's one of my favorite actors. For me, not to be interested in what he's doing is pretty crazy. But yeah, it just, there's just, this movie just, there's a lot of like meandering, just kind of aimless. Um, as he's trying to figure it out, I think it's a again. I just I I know most people agree with you, Zach. Most people think this is uh, Hitchcock's best work, but I think this is him kind of just failing at what he does um, because I'm so not interested in so much of it. And the ending, I don't I don't want to spoil it. We can talk about it off the air. What I don't like about it, you'll probably understand by what I say. But it's supposed like I feel like it's supposed to be satisfying, but it's very unsatisfying just because of certain things that happen. Um, but yeah, this is definitely on the bottom tier of Hitchcock for me. Uh, everybody else on Vertigo. Um, you in that minority, and that I I find this movie extremely boring. I don't even find the story that interesting at all. Um, there are Hitchcock films I like. I think earlier in the list we were talking about uh, Rope and how that was one of the ones I I enjoyed. But but this one, like you, I'd heard so much about it, and when I finally watched it, I'm like, really? That that's the one people love. Um, Kirk, I'm mad at you. Uh, I'm mad at you because that was what I was going to say about this movie. That Jimmy Stewart is just fucking walking around for two hours doing nothing. Um, I had heard about this movie for years, much like you guys, and how it is one of the best, most suspenseful movies ever. Hitchcock's best movie. And I had never seen it. And I'm like, man, I got to fucking watch Vertigo. And I just never did. And then in film school one day, Professor's like, hey guys, we're watching Vertigo. And you know, they had like a screening room. So it was a like big screen, you know. Um, I was like, yes, finally. Like, I'm being forced to watch this movie. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. And I was like, 
what is happening? Like it's first of all, the ghost supernatural thing that isn't supernatural or whatever. Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on with that. It's just like, it goes nowhere. It's um, yeah. Like Kirk says, just Jimmy Stewart meandering around um, uh, the city for a long time. And I hate the ending. I think the ending is so stupid where he just like, yeah, I won't spoil it, but it's just like, I, I just think it's stupid. I, I don't like this movie at all. I, I don't understand at all. I think this is one of Hitchcock's worst movies that I've seen at least. Um, I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when people love this movie. I don't know. I'm I'm fucking pissed off because Kirk and Ethan told what I was going to <laughs> say about this movie. I'm so, like, I gave it, I, I looked at my score just to make sure I wasn't crazy. I gave it three and a half, and I think I was on crazy pills when I gave that score. Because I just remember everybody, I just remember somebody on this exact program, it wasn't this episode, but when we said rope, he said, well, that's an insane take. And you walk in here with vertigo and act like you're just this righteous person. This is the most confusing thing. This is the most confusing thing. The ones that are considered Hitchcock's like Mount Rushmore, I just no. I I don't understand this movie at all. I don't I don't know. I wish I had the lens that everybody else was seeing this movie in. But when I watched it the first time, I was bored to tears. I watched it a second time, and I think I was just guilt-tripped into three and a half stars because I'm thinking more and more, it's two and a half, maybe two. I was bored to effing tears. And you're right. If I want to watch Jimmy Stewart drive around all San Francisco, like, I would just like to watch a home video of him driving around because this movie goes nowhere. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand this. Like, thank God. We're on. so. Four people, we get five people in a room. Four people agree. One person doesn't. Well, who's the insane one? You, sir. Muppets <laughs> two of them, man. Two of them are being Brian, so. Exactly. Yeah, Muppets man. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to side with both Kirk and Brian. That's a bad. <laughs> me. I mean, the three I mean, of us did it. I mean, if Jimmy Stewart that. whipped out his penis and it was a puppet, maybe we'd <laughs> no, have a shot of it. Okay, we don't have that. Rick. We're moving the fuck on. I host a shout out. This is the biggest disaster that's ever happened. That's sucks. I have to all the fucking multiplex. Um, yeah, you guys are all canceled because this is a crime against humanity. Um, so, uh, my 44. <laughs> um, my 44, way too goddamn low. I because I rewatched it for the pod, the Z pod, um, recently, and it should be in my top 25. Um, but it is the Lady Eve. Keep it old. Um, the Lady Eve um, is one of the hottest movies ever. <laughs> okay, it is about sexy people on a boat for 45 minutes. Then it's about sexy people at a house party for the last 45 minutes. And no one has ever looked better than Barbara Stanwyck, but it's also just part of how she carries herself because she carries herself with such charm and such intelligence. Barbara Stanwyck is one of my favorite actresses of all time, so we just talked about it for a whole month because I think her, she is a exudes this very specific kind of street smart intelligence that helps you understand why everyone is just kind of brought into her, her um like or but but into uh, you know her like prisoner almost but uh because she's really good being matched with a dope that that's kind of the the opposite subtract kind of thing because henry fonda is playing this kind of innocent dopish you know rich boy who's just like really in the snakes and so she's just the full opposite this hyper confident your worldly um person and con artist essentially you talk a lot about how barbara sanders always you know up to a scheme in the con um 
but the romance of it works because they know when to abandon the con and not make her a villain like pretty quickly on. Um, and so it's all how can they make up to where she has to create another con to earn his heart his back, which is like could be this preposterous thing that she like pretends she's this different person without changing that much about her. But the way she's able to act and how smartly the screenplay is written makes you understand and believe how he might like fall for this, especially because he is kind of a dope that he falls for seeing her a second time, not thinking she's the same person. Um, but really, this is a Preston Sturgis movie. Um, Preston Sturgis has, you know, a real intelligent wit to his comedies. That uh, this one is by far the best because I also think he just, yeah, as I mentioned, it's just such class um, throughout this. And just a lot of these older comedies have these kind of supporting actors that look like nothing we have anymore. They just have these very specific looks and these very specific styles. Eric Bloor plays this, you know, rich, um, like British conman that just gives terrific lines. Um, her dad, who is played by um, what's his face? That's his official IMDb name. What's his face? Um, Charles Colburn um, is also just has the right level of connerness to him, but also charm and intelligence, like I've been saying. Uh, it, it's an incredible movie. I could watch this every fucking day. I, it makes me want to watch more Barbara Stanwyck. More like I can turn this on immediately when I finish. There's also snakes. And snakes are cool as shit. I'm done. I never heard Henry Fonda really referred to as sexy before. You know that? He is in this movie. <laughs> that juror number eight sure is sexy. Um, yeah, I watched this on Criterion Channel this week. Um, meh. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's just, it has, it's one of those early romantic comedies, still has all the pitfalls of, of romantic comedies. My favorite scene in the entire movie is um, when they're setting him up for the call. It's, you know, I don't know if you mentioned it's the story is her father. It's a father daughter con team and they're trying to play him. She falls from the side. She doesn't want to do it. My favorite scene in the movie is when the dad and Henry Fonda are playing cards and uh, she, and, and they're both like trying to cheat each other. Like she's, he's trying to cheat Henry Fonda. She's trying to keep him from cheating him. So they're both like switching cards and, and screwing each other over and they're trying to keep without his knowledge. That's my favorite scene in the movie. And I'm watching like, oh, this would be really cool if this is the rest of the movie. The two of them, the cat and mouse between the two of them without with him completely oblivious. Um, but that's basically just one scene and they give up, you know, all the cats on the bag of the next scene and it just becomes like a standard romantic comedy. Um, I don't buy at all the third act where she comes back as a different character, does nothing to change her appearance, puts on a little bit of an accent and everybody believes she's a different person. Um, that was kind of nonsensical to me and I kind of just sucked me out of it. And the ending is just so generic and just, it just wrap it up, you know, just like, okay, we got to finish this movie up and it ends. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just like a generic rom-com that for me, I don't really buy Henry Fonda as in this kind of role. Like maybe, I mean, it's not his fault. I just, I'm so used to him playing like, more uh uh more dignified characters to see play something like this really just caught me off guard and i, I really didn't like to see him in that um so yeah this one is going to be uh kind of a thumbs down for me especially this high i think there's much more you know rom romantic comedies uh of this era or just just kind of comedy of this era that are so much better than this that you could have on your list uh so 40 44 is incredibly high for this uh everybody else on lady eve uh, I've never seen it, but Zach said, "Sorry, go ahead, Brian." I was going to say I haven't seen it, but I'm intrigued mostly because uh, one of the reviews on Letterboxd from someone in our community says, "Like Bugs Bunny dressing up as a girl bunny to mess with Elmer Fudd, but somehow even sexier." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't seen it, but Zach, you said everyone in this movie is sexy, so I have one question for you. 
Are the snakes sexy? Um, the snakes are real sexy. Okay, I'll watch own. it. I'll There's watch. a cartoon snake that wears a fucking top hat in the in the end creds and open creds. I mean, um, I really like her in Double Indemnity. I haven't seen a whole lot of her in anything else, but I will check it out because her and Henry Fonda sounds like a good pair. So, yeah, qualify. You can't fault old romantic comedy tropes when it was in the '40s and they were like one of the groundbreaking people to do it. Like, yeah, they that's started. They start. it. They, they started, started the problem. You don't blame them for the stuff. They started. <laughs> yeah. You can't blame. They did it well. They did it okay. well in the beginning. It wasn't a trope back then. This one I could have talked about that movie for another 90 minutes. It's like I did on LNZ Pod on Video Store. Listen to shut it. Up, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. No plugs. No plugs. We don't plug on the show. Sorry. Right, uh, that brings us to everybody's top three for the night, starting with Cody at his number 43. Remember when we used to do plugs on the end of every show? I'm glad we stopped that shit. Um, okay. Uh, my 43 is, let me get to it. Uh, it is Goodwill Hunting. No yay? Uh, okay. Uh, I think this movie is absolutely incredible. Uh, is it Ch- Is it Boston? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. I'm not sure. Uh, is maybe it's Robin Williams giving one of the most, the best dramatic performance probably of the nineties. Yeah, I'll say it. I think he's absolutely incredible in this film. Um, just the heart that he's able to deliver. I will always love the scene. And again, I may be a little biased when they're talking about game six of the world series and he's sitting there, he's like, Oh yeah, he hits the ball. And he's like, Throwing it a thing. He's like, you were at that fucking game. No, no, no. I was out of date with her. You missed the game. Yeah, I didn't give a damn. He's like, I've passed off my tickets. How do you pass on that? Because just how it's just important, like how he's able to show, like, teach Damon about what, like, when you care about somebody, the rest of it doesn't matter. And when he pushes everybody away, and when he thinks that he he, that's that like when they're on the bench and the one of the best monologues of all time is William saying, how the fuck can you tell me? Because you've seen a painting to me of what I was supposed to do about when I sat with my wife and where I held her hand. And when she was on chemo and when the visiting hours didn't matter to me, like, I don't, I don't sit there and act to know that, you know, you going through a foster care and you being adopted and stuff like that didn't have effect on you. I think William's just, I wish he did more dramatic stuff. Because I absolutely, uh, he did, and they're not all great, but I wish like he did more in this realm. Like, I just think it's absolutely a brilliant movie. Uh, I I slept on this movie for way too long. I thought, oh, it's just middle of the road. It's fine. No, the heart of it, the crux of the story, those two dynamics, even the friends relationship. I think it's Minnie Driver. Is that her mm-hmm. name? Like her performance in this is like when he just shoves her out of the way and like she's just trying to cling to him, but he doesn't know how to cling to somebody as that thing. He's so smart, but he doesn't know how to like interact with people and how Williams is able to bring that out of him. I think this movie, oh, it's just beautiful. I I absolutely love Good Uh Yeah, Williams is definitely the centerpiece of this movie. Um, I think it's his best role. Uh, I've said before, and I know I'm, I'm in the minority with this one too. Like, I'm not a big fan of what Robin Williams' comedy. I much prefer him as a dramatic actor, and I think this is his best dramatic role. In that, it's uh, it, it kind of it, it keeps like that that lightheartedness, and that charm, and that humor that he has, but it's still it's grounded and it's a it's a real person. 
and it's it's a great role and a great performance. I think it's one of the best, you know, just like you know, mentor protege relationships. And yeah, like those scenes where he's talking about his wife and talking about the baseball game and just, you know, teaching him to enjoy like and appreciate, you know, the little things in life and, you know, what, what matters um, is so good. Uh, I like I, I like Affleck in this. I think he's fun. Like he's fun as that like comic relief best friend. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, but those are the two things I remember the most from it. Um, I do think 43 is a little bit high for it. Um, oh. But uh, again, that just be because, maybe because yeah, I'm in a while. It's I haven't seen in a while. So uh, everybody else on Goodwill Hunting. All right, yeah, um, I I haven't seen it in like a really long time. I really liked it when I first saw it, but it's been so long that I don't remember much about it, other than like Robin Williams being really good. Um, the how do you like them apple scene? Um, but I'm sure if I rewatched it, I would still like it a lot. I just it's just been so long. Yeah, it's a, kind of the same thing here. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I mean, d despite Gus Van Zandt directing and despite the presence of Ben Affleck, uh, I actually liked this movie. I thought it was very well done. And especially there, there's a lot of those speeches and, and, and things that really could have come across as very, I don't know, artificial, unnatural in the way they deliver them, kind of like, you know, like Kevin Smith kind of dialogue kind of thing. Um, but especially when these guys are right, basically wrote it themselves. So it really could have come across as kind of like that. But I thought it actually was very, was very well done. And, and um, yeah, well, I just need to rewatch it. Though. I think Gus Vincent was the perfect person they could have got for this because I think in the wrong director's hands, there's someone who's less, I think, humane than Gus Vincent and patient than Gus Vincent. It can come off just super schwatzy and sentimental, but he just knows the levels to pull it to avoid that. So I really love this movie. I, I, I look forward to rewatching it at some point because I've ever only seen it once. So I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. Um, so yeah, good pick. That's a good uh, movie too, right? Thank you, Brad. Uh, okay. about that, that takes us to uh, <laughs> Ethan's 43. Uh, yeah, my number 43 is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Just for the whole trilogy? This is just for The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> I will not be talking about the other two. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Um, Lord of the Rings has a very special place in my heart. I've always loved those movies. Um, since I was young. Um, and I'm not sure about this, but I, I remember like when I was a kid, my dad like bringing home this on DVD. And I think I watched this one before I had seen The Fellowship or something. I'm not sure, but that it feels like that is how that happened for me. But this movie has so much incredible fantasy action in it. Obviously, the Battle of Helm's Deep is like one of the best action sequences ever filmed. Um, Peter Jackson is, you know, you coming from those horror roots with like brain dead and, and bad taste and like applying that to a giant big budget fantasy movie is just like so good. Um, everyone in this movie, I mean, it's hard to talk about without talking about the other ones, but I'm just going to stick to this one. Uh, all the characters are great. This is the one where we get introduced to Gandalf the White, um, uh, who is a different character. You know, he's, he's a little different. Um, and uh, Theoden King. Um, and uh, you, it's just like, it's got so many great emotional moments. Um, the score by Howard Shore in this movie is is like transcendent. It's like um, that last, there's a song towards the end, or a piece, I guess, um, called Samwise the Brave. That is, it's played over Samwise's speech at the end, which is also intercut with uh, Marion Pippin and the ants like storming um, Isengard. And that whole sequence is one of my favorite sequences in film ever. It just comes together so beautifully. Like 
it's so good that they like cut away to Gollum and even Gollum's like looking at him like misty eyed because it's just such an incredible speech. And Sean Astin is just like, that's the peak of his career right there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's just got like some of the best moments in the trilogy. Like the the moment I just talked about, the all the end stuff I love. I know people think it goes on too long. I like all the end stuff. I want more of it. Um, I always watch the extended edition so I get all that sweet, sweet end talking, uh, end moot, the slowness of it, love it. Uh, John Reese davies doing his his best Ent voice is great. Um, he's also great as Gimli in this one. You get the don't toss the, the you have to toss me line. Like um, it's just such a great fantasy movie. I love everything about it. I always try to figure out which one of these movies I like the best, and I think it just comes down like a, they're basically all tied for me. Um, but this one's good. Um, you get the the wrap up and the the big climatic stuff in the in the third one. The first one's a lot of the introductory, um, and this one's just you know a lot of action. The Helm's Deep Battle's great. Um, the Ents are my favorite things in all three movies. I love the Ents, yeah. um, so that's that that makes this one of my favorites just because I love I love Tree Beard. I love the Ents. I love the movie. Just the whole like just the, the the little bit of, like the peek into their culture and their and their worldview is. Um, is so great. I just love like how they think like trees would think like they think like in, you know, over eons and epochs of time and, you know, the goings on of right this second isn't that big a deal though. I just like those little, oh no, that's the next movie. Never mind. Um, but yeah. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff going on in this one. Everybody else on two towers. Uh, two towers is my favorite one. Um, I'm with Ethan on this one. I love the trilogy. I think they're close in things. Like I love what the first one sets up and I love the ending. But the middle one is just so good. It's probably the one I watched the most out of order, too. It's kind of weird how that worked for me. I guess it just came, like, just the battle scenes and just the... I think the characters are more developed in this one. I think they knew exactly where they were going. Um, and they already flushed out all the introductory shit. So we're just, like, in it now in the Middle Earth stuff. I'm with you. I love the ants. Uh, I love... I basically... I have no problems with this entire movie. Uh, the one thing I've never done is watch the extended editions. I just have never gotten around. I want to. It. Um, it's just a, it's a lot of commitment to watch the extended. Besides, it's a lot of commitment to watch Lord of the Rings, but to watch extended is just more. Uh, but I love the trilogy. Uh, if I was going to put one on here, it's the hard thing about trying to decide which one. It would have been Two Towers, but where to put it and how much I love it and stuff. I think it's a great movie. Great choice, though. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Um, just spoiler alert for my list or non-spoiler list uh, there's none of the lord of the rings uh, movies on my list i like them a lot i don't love them like a lot of people but I, I enjoy them but just not my thing fair enough i forgot that i had to speak to um i um notoriously fell asleep during every lord of the rings and hobbit movie in theaters <laughs> Um, it, for like a long period of time, because so I was like 12, 13, 14, had some real like undiagnosed ADD, and if I couldn't pay attention, I just fell asleep. Um, and so that's what happened with those. I plan on rewatching them. My wife really wants to, and then we just haven't got down because it's a 30 hour commitment. But at some point, I'll get another try. All right. Uh, Brian, what's your 43? Uh, my 43 is Braveheart. Oh, good. I'm glad we got to always talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Braveheart. This one came along at a time when I was kind of just starting to get into more serious movies. You know, I, I was you know younger kid, and that I was mostly into you know usual blockbusters, you know comedies, things like that. 
so this one came out and I was like, you know, it's about this, you know, Scottish guy who's fighting for his freedom. I don't give a shit about this. And especially it came out like right around the same time, right after, right before Rob Roy. And I'm like, why do we care about these movies? Um, but anyway, it's Mel Gibson thought, I like him. I'll go see it. Um, Mel knocked it out of the park with this movie. I mean, this movie is amazingly, uh, his performance in it is great, but his direction of it is even more impressive, especially, I mean, from the, from even just the smallest character moments to these big giant, you know, battlefield battles, which really before this point hadn't really been done to, to this scale. He's, this was kind of one of the first movies that really kind of did that, you know, giant field of people fighting. It's been done a thousand times since then, of course. But the the the, uh, the choreography of that and the filming of that and the cinematography I thought was was so well done. Um, it's got a great score by James Horner, um, which kind of it, it's kind of James Horner kind of has a very identifiable sound to him. But it adds that kind of Scottish flair to it as well. Um, the supporting cast from Sophie Marceau, Patrick McGowan, Catherine McCormick, uh, Angus McBadden as uh, Robert the Bruce. I thought he did a great job. And of course, it's one of the first places we saw Brendan Gleeson, who obviously has gone on to be in a ton of awesome movies. Um, but yeah, this is one I think Mel Gibson's one of those people is kind of a hot topic with depending on who you talk to these days because of his, you know, personal life and things like that. But I mean, this is a movie that kind of showed that while he can be an entertaining blockbuster actor, he's also got a ton of talent as a director and as a serious filmmaker. Yeah, I really love Braveheart. This was on my top 100 somewhere. Uh, when it came out, when it came out, it was, if not my favorite movie, it was one of my favorite movies for a long time. Um, yeah, it's so great. It's just a lot of great action, all those all those big fight scenes, but just a lot of great character moments too, and a great story. Um, Gibson, Mel Gibson's great, and it's a supporting cast, like you said. Everybody, even the small like Brian Cox is, comes and plays his uncle. Uh, Brendan Gleeson's got a uh, great. I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy that plays the Irishman, you know, it's my <laughs> island. Um, he's so good in it, and just so so many little moments like that, and just that ending, and just the the whole um, you know Robert the Bruce and his story. And you know where he where he ends up uh, is 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 just really great. Um, so yeah, I'm a really really big fan of Braveheart. Uh, everybody else on this one. And yeah, Brave oh. Braveheart is something. Well, Mel Gibson is somebody you're you're not you're not supposed to talk about. Apparently, I love this film. I'm so glad that you included it. I it was so close to making my list. I love Braveheart. I have so much fun with this. I think his direction is absolutely incredible. I actually like a lot of Mel Gibson's directed work. I don't actually have a lot of problem with most of it. I think he's actually a really good director. Um, there are certain things that I understand that not the um, like Hacksaw Ridge and stuff like that, people. But I really like the Apocalypto and stuff like that. So like his work, I think it's good. This movie and the character he portrays is over the top. It's crazy. It's fun. I a lot of people say it's that scene where you know he's given the speech and then that's about it. But I think. I think the stuff at the beginning to the middle, I just love Braveheart. Um, I just haven't watched it in a while. Like it's been a while since I've seen it. So that's why I probably missed. But if I watched it before, it could have made the list. Great choice. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Ethan, did you go? Oh, no. Did Zach go already? Oh, no. Okay. Um, Zach hasn't seen it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I've only seen parts of it my uh, my whole life. I've just never sat down and watched the whole thing all the way through. I'm, I feel like I would like it because I like big war movies like that. Um, I just I just haven't seen the whole thing. It's better than Vertigo. I'll say that. <laughs> I bet. Oh, that make it worse. <laughs> all right, uh, Zach, on to your forty-three. Um, my forty-three is Francis. Ha. Um, I um 
Thank you for the late laugh. Uh, I love Noah Baumbach, and as he's one of my favorite directors, I love Greta Gerwig. She's one of my favorite creatives. He puts them together. It's like a match made in heaven. And also, you put them together, and you get the future um, forced adoptive parents of my child when I trick them into adopting Theo so he can be raised as a genius of film. Um, and he'll be better off. Um, Jeez, think so? Have you seen Noah Baumbach's uh, movies? Did that submissions work out? Yes, that means he's learned from his past. That um, I have seen his he's movies. Been the same and movie I went through like four times. I don't know if he would. And I and I love him because I went through the same shit. So is he better with me, someone who isn't like intelligent enough to deal with those issues? Um, I uh, Greta Gerwig. Um, I think people like who are really dismissive of this film just say it's like a uh, Pixie Jim Girl, which I think is always a dismissive term because she's captures not only like many friends I had in college, but also a lot of what my experience was like post-college. Um, I think this this movie really captures the identity of kind of being lost after you've because college is really a time where you come to learn a lot about yourself and you come to be your friend group and then just kind of all goes away and you have to like figure your way into real society and she really captures that kind of confusion and, and that kind of maintaining of what your dreams were like she just wants to fucking dance but how does that work in the reality and you know she's really close to her friend and live with them but like everyone evolves and kind of moves on and those friendships change and and i think that no movie has grasped that smarter i think than this and, and even to this day when i'm you know 10 years past college i still like feel some of the remnants of these experience that this this movie we continue to capture um, while simultaneously being extremely funny, um, having you know, terrific lines, Greta Gerwig writes great dialogue, um, so it's no bomb back. Um, and it's beautifully filmed. Um, it it kind of has this Manhattan esque black and white um, filming of New York City, but in a much more modern way. Um, it has a lot more you know, motion to it than most Noah Baumbach movies. Bill. No Baumbach's known for his reign as much for his filmmaking cinematography, but if you want to see that, he knows what he's doing. This is the one to see because he really can capture a great shot. Um, and, and I think it will have a universal and timeless appeal. It's an experience that, you know, everyone will go through for decades. So I think this will be one of his best remembered movies moving forward. So, All right, Zach, we're, we're back on the same page here, but I know we had a rough patch here, but uh, <laughs> I love this movie. I just watched this for the first time this year. I think I was play, it was when, when I played Ethan and Scott. Uh, they use Bombeck as their strength. I had a deep dive the first time I saw this movie. I wanted to see it for a while, um, but I wasn't expecting too much from it. I loved this movie. It is so good. Critical work is just so fantastic. Um, and she's so charming in this. And she's so she captures that like, like you said, that lostness and that listness, list listlessness, and that state of arrested development she's in. And um, she just pulls you on board, and you know, you feel you root for her, you feel for her. And she's just so like I just love that character that just like She's not necessarily like peppy and positive and optimistic, but she just keeps battling on and going on. Like, you know, whatever life throws her, she's like, okay, what's the next thing? And she just deals with it. And yeah, like you said, like her relationships with her friends are so great. They're so realistic. Like, just like, you know, her, her friend who she's real close to, and then they're just, you know, people just come in and disappear from your life. That's how life works. Um, you know, just with Adam Driver uh, is really good in this too. And, you know, th their whole relationship, that, that roommate life that they have is really cool. Um, the scene where she goes to France, where she goes, ends up going to Paris, and like it just like completely just bombs for her, and is just so disappointing. It's just so heartbreaking. But something I showed this. I watched. I actually I like this movie so much. I watched it for for trivia. I studied for trivia. The next day, I said I made my wife and daughter sit down and watch it. 
uh, with me. And I thought they would love it, but they're like, oh, man, I felt just a downer. Like, everything's bad happening to her. <laughs> but I just love the fact how she just keeps up and keeps going. Um, and you're right. It is a fantastic-looking movie. I love that scene um, where they're playing um, Modern Love and the camera's tracking along and it, it catches up to her running. Oh, that is such a great looking scene. I love the way this movie looks. Um, yeah, this is a great pick. Um, good job, Zach. I'm proud of you. Everybody else on Francis Ha. I have not seen it. I, I know Bombeck is very much not my style of movie. Um, so I haven't seen it. I've been told I actually might enjoy this one, but still haven't got around to it yet. I've been I've watched a couple of his films and I really enjoy them. Uh, Paul has told me numerous times to stay away from this film. So he thinks I would hate it. Um, it's not that I don't want to complete Noah Baumbach. I actually really enjoy, like, uh, there's a few that I'm pretty sure there, some will show back up, I think. But um, if I know Zach pretty well. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I just been told not to watch it. So uh, maybe I'll go check it out one day. Um, yeah, I've only seen like <clears throat> like one or two Bombach movies, and I like them a lot. Um, but I've, so I've been meaning to watch this for a long time. I just haven't got around to it yet. But I, I, I definitely will watch it soon. Brian, if I think Kirk you... likes it. If Kirk likes it, it gives me more faith that I would like it. So yeah, I, I think I, I, if you like other Bombach, I feel like this is probably his most accessible movie. Um, so I think Brian, I think you should give it a chance. I think you'd like it because you, you, you might. I mean, I, I couldn't guarantee it, but. I mean, um, I think I've liked four of his films that I've seen, so I don't yeah. see why. But Cody also I'm, hates Greta Gerwig, and this is one of Greta Gerwig's. Why? Why did I say? It? When did I ever say I hated Greta? Fucking Gerwig? Lady Bird. This is like what you're most famous for. Yeah, she wrote this movie. I mean, right. Lady Bird's a shitty movie right now. I still haven't seen it, but it's a shitty movie. Let's just move on, okay? Come on. All right. Uh, did everybody talk about this? I'm not skipping anybody, yeah. am I? Okay. Uh, Cody, you're number 42. 42 is Mystic River. I fucking love this movie. The fact that I hadn't seen it till like, I get it, it was last year, and I've watched it like three times since. I think this movie is absolutely incredible. Uh, Sean Penn deserved his Oscar. I stand by it. Tim Robbins deserved his Oscar. You can take that pirate bitch that sails around on a, on a ship, and he did not deserve to win this, Coho. I'll stand by it. Sean Penn gives a more a better performance besides the, is that my daughter? He's way better throughout this film. This movie has so many twists and so many turns. If the last 30 minutes of this movie doesn't make your stomach drop, I don't know how you can sit through this movie. Fuck off. Um, uh, I just, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Bacon, which I'm not always a huge fan of, Sean Penn and Tim Robbins. I think Tim Robbins is absolutely stunning in this movie. Just how it's a dark movie, again, but that fits my kind of thing. It's like a crime movie. Sean Penn being kind of like a mob boss and that whole thing and the twists and turns. I think this is uh, Clint Eastwood's best directed film. Maybe Unforgiven, I give him. Um, uh, but I think this is absolutely his best film. Um, and I think it's a, I don't want to give too much about the story because the story is like very, a little bit given you'll, the whole movie will be unraveled for you. And I gave it to Tim Burkala and he goes, last 30 minutes. I don't know how I feel about this. Just keep watching. Enjoy your ride. It's so good. So good. Go watch Mystic River. I think it's still on HBO. It's so good. 
Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's hard to watch. I mean, it's just one of those movies just so devastating that you're like, uh, like it's it's good, but it's, especially as a parent. So exactly, exactly. So um, but yeah, they're both great in this, and just that. Like, I love Penn's character. Like you said, how he like he's kind of like he's got a lot of sharp edges to him. Um, he's got a lot going on, and then just the history of their childhood and how that plays into what happens and what he thinks and what he has to do. Um, and Tim Robbins' wife, I can't really say her body language in this movie as it yeah. slowly starts to descend is so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, like you said, it's hard to talk about without giving anything away. Cause there's a lot of, like you said, twists and turns. Um, but it's just such a good story. Just such, it just, just crabs you. Um, so like I said, it's not something I'm eager to rewatch just cause it is so hard to watch. But on the other hand, there's so much good stuff that I want to see again. Um, but it's 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 solid. Uh, everybody else on Mrs. Mystic River. I I saw it when it first came out, but I honestly, you talk about twists and turns. I don't remember any of them, so I kind <laughs> of want to rewatch it again. It's partially because of your enthusiasm for the how, how great it was, because I I don't remember the twists and turns of it. So I got to check it out again. Uh, I have not seen Mystic River. I think you like it. Yeah, I, I would do want to watch it. It's like one of those. It's just like I've heard about so many times, and I'm like, I'll watch that eventually. You know, you just never do. Uh, I, I do want to watch that now, especially after you guys talked about it. I think it's take place in Boston too. I'm not. I'm not. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, I think it, it does too. Yeah, so. It does because it's written by Dennis Lehane. All they take it in Boston. Um. Anyways, I really um love Mr. Guy. I haven't seen it in forever, but it is. I I'm scared to watch it and not like it. Not because I think I won't like it, but because it's like one of the few movies me and my wife agrees on because she has shit taste and like shitty movies, and uh, she's exhausted me hating her favorite movies. <laughs> Join the club. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, Must be a big Mary Wilder fan. <laughs> no, she's a big what dreams may come. That's a fucking disaster. <laughs> um. Anyways. Um. Mr. River, um, I loved it then, but Dennis Lehane is one of my favorite writers, which I think is unexpected for me because he is a crime writer. But I think you know his writing, as far as well as this movie, takes what could be trashy, kind of um, pulpy crime stuff and and adds such a layers of complexity, moral complexity um, that I think think helps keep my intrigue and makes it a little smarter than other movies of that genre. And I, and I think this movie definitely keeps that spirit. All right. Uh, Ethan, what is your number 42? Yep, uh, my number 42 is a 2018 Korean film called Burning. All right, uh, Burning is um, an adaptation of a short story by Haruki Murakami, um, who's a Japanese author who I've read a couple of his books, I really like his writing. Um, it's very dreamlike, and um, it, some might find it meandering, but it, it really is just kind of like this interesting, it's like experiential in a way. And I've, this movie captures the tone of, of his writing like nothing I've seen before. Um, and I went into this movie knowing nothing about it. And that is the best way to see it. I'm not going to say too much about the actual plot other than like the initial setup. Um, this guy runs into this girl he knew from when he was younger. And she's like, hey, like, would you mind watching my cat while I go on a trip? And he's like, sure, I'll watch your cat. And then she goes on a trip, she comes back, and she's got this guy with her, played by Steven Yeun, who is incredible in this movie. And um, from there, it just gets, it's, it, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say it, it's a slow burn. It's a very slow burn, but it fucking burns, man. It like, out. It, <laughs> it, it, it's a movie all about like, ambiguity and like doubt and 
there's the mystery of the movie is a mystery. It's like, what is the mystery? Is there a mystery? Um, and it's just like so gorgeously shot. Um, there's one scene where the the woman, the main woman, is dancing around um, with like the, this beautiful scenery and like I think it's like twilight. And um, there's like jazz music playing, and she's just dancing. We're like spinning around with her. It's like one of the most gorgeous scenes I've ever seen in film ever. Um, and I don't want to say anything else about it other than that. If you want a really, really, really incredible slow burn mystery thriller drama, this is like masterfully done. Yeah, I hadn't seen this. I'd want to wanted to see it for a long time. I watched it for the show um, just this week. I was nervous because I saw it was two and a half hours long. Um, but you're right. It's, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't feel that long and it is a slow burn. The, it's hard to explain because the, <laughs> the story, it's, it, it kind of changes genres and things. Yeah. But the, the main story that you get doesn't really start till about 45 minutes in, but in most movies like that, you're like, Oh, that sucks. But it, something about it grabs you. And even before, like the main crux of the story starts, just with just between the relationship of these two people, um, it's you're still interested, you're still drawn in, and I, I don't, like I said, I got to rewatch it because I don't know if I'm remembering it because I've, you know, with the the lens of the whole movie, but I feel like even at the beginning, there's something kind of off. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, there's there's something off about it, about the movie. We were talking about Hitchcock. The whole it feels very much like a Hitchcock movie. Like you just don't know like what's going on, and it's just, it, you know the movie feels like it's just one step ahead of you the entire time. Um, but yeah, then once it kind of takes off, you you don't know where it's going. But like I said, it, it sucks you in, and you want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah, Stephen Young's great in this. I only really know him from Walking Dead, and you know he plays a completely different character in Walking Dead. So to see him in something like this um, was really interesting. He is really good, and I want to see the other movie um, that I'm blanking the name of that was nominated. This year. Yeah, 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 I want to see that now. Yeah, because um, he's just a really strong actor. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really hard to explain. Even even you know, if I gave spoilers, it would still be hard to explain. But yeah. it's a, definitely a movie you want to go into fresh um, because it's more like an experience um, than it is like a, a real tight narrative. Um, but very interesting movie. Um, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, anybody else seen Burning? I have not seen it. Nope, I've seen it. Um, yeah, um, I, I do think though, however, with the type of movie it is and the type of attention span I can have sometimes, especially when not seen in theaters, um, thinks that one viewing just isn't enough to fully, you know, understand what's going for. I appreciate the atmosphere in it, and um, I appreciate in a way it has the same tone as those kind of like the long, um, I would fuck up towns like the long goodbye in these kind of detective stories that meander and never fully have a point. It, it, it has it's a spin on those kind of stories um, that I appreciate. I just think I I missed a lot of the undertones of it that we watched should been of it. All right, uh, Brian, you're forty two. Uh, I believe I yiked somebody else on it earlier. It is the Social Network. Yikes! Still yikes. Okay. All right. Uh, then Zach, that's your 42. Um, my 42, um, one of the most underwatched movies in the community is The Commitments. Um, yeah. It's an Alan Parker movie. Um, this is one I'm like really nervous to talk about. Not because I think anyone will not like it. It's the opposite to where I'm like selfish. 
And I'm worried this will be one of the ones that take off in the community and everyone loves and they like fucking steal this movie from me. Um, Cause it's so like, <laughs> I know, I, but it's so wildly accessible and just somehow gotten forgotten, not watched in time. But um, this is about um, a um, soul band, a soul cover band uh, that is like formed of kind of these outcasts in a blue collar town in Ireland, which I have said like blue collar Ireland and British is just like a weird subgenre that like I'm super into. Um, there'll be more of it coming up. Um, but they make such great connection between that style of music and kind of the civil rights movement with kind of the Irish politics. Like even of a different race, there's still some similarities in the, their political um, background that they can connect to and why that music speaks to them so much. Um, but also it's just really a movie about the power of the moment um, because it's about a band that existed for this like specific, uh, it's a fake movie, but, it's, but a specific period of time and just what that period of time meant to the community, meant to them, even though there's just a minor success to it, which I think is one powerful because it's about, you know, seeing the benefits in every moment rather than being um, negative about the failures or the regrets, but seeing, seeing how what you did was special. Um, but it's also special because it makes it realistic. Like they're not this like world touring band. They're like come big in the community. It, it, it makes it, its purpose seem a little tighter. Um, but the performance is also hyper engaging. Lot, they cast a lot of real musicians um, throughout it, even casting a real musician in the main role who doesn't sing or play an instrument, but somehow gives this great performance and like really never acted again but has such charisma and such as like purposeful earnestness and which is what needed with someone who's just trying to form the band he's more or less the manager um, but the heart of the movie um but then the lead singer is this like belligerent you know irish type that's drunk and rude and um but has this like such great talent he has a real like joe cocker persona to him that is engaging to watch um and um before I pass off, I just want to mention Glenn Hansard and Glenn Hansard's one of my favorite musicians. This is 20 years or like 15 years before once. Um, and he has a mullet and it's real weird, um, but it's fun to, to watch him in the older time. So commitments. Uh, I wish you watch it. Another song. Movie. I have not seen commitments yet. Uh, I wanted to, but I had a lot of movies to watch mm -hmm. for the show this week. And a lot of them were streaming for free. This one was not Zach. You need to put more free movies on your list. Uh, everybody else on the commitments. Have you guys seen it? I haven't seen it. I'll just say, I really like Glenn Hansard also, um, but I, I haven't seen this movie. But I just came around to, to I just came around with seeing street. So I don't know if I don't know if I should risk it right now. Yeah, you know, I saw this when it came out in theaters. Uh, and it, again, knowing really nothing about it except I'd seen a trailer for it. Um, I can I agree with that. I could see a lot of people in this community really enjoying this movie, especially if you like once, if you like uh, Sing Street, some of those kind of movies. It's got kind of that real same kind of vibe to it, not just because of the Irish thing, just the music and then and the personalities, the characters in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a movie. Like you said, it's not about you know like this big popular band. It's just kind of them in the community and their their love of music and especially the the lead singer they recruit is this kid. I think I read he was like sixteen years old at the time they made this movie, and he's just amazing. I think Joe Cocker is a perfect uh, comparison to it, but he just he has such, so much soul and it really works. But I, I enjoyed this a lot. I haven't seen it in too, far too long. I need to rewatch it. All right, that brings us to the everyone's final movie for the night. Uh, Cody, what is your number forty one? 
I don't think I'm going to be talking about it tonight. It's when Harry met Sally. No, you're not talking about it tonight. I, had I didn't think like, so. Yeah, okay. Didn't think so. All right, Ethan, uh, you're 41. Okay, my 41, which I may or may not be talking about, uh, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Wearing and Love the Bum. You good. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, this is a movie that um, I, I, I love Kubrick's movies, and for a very long time, this is one of the handful of Kubrick movies I had just never seen. Um, and I watched it like two years ago or a year and a half ago, I think. And I actually I was very surprised by how much I liked it. It is crazy how ahead of its time it is, or I guess you know it was just that smart at the time. It is super funny in a really dry, you know, satirical way in the way it just breaks down politics, like world politics, U.S. politics especially, um, and how our country handles things. Um, George C. Scott gives one of the all-time great comedic performances. Um, I think he sometimes gets overshadowed by Peter Sellers, um, who's also hilarious in this movie. But um, I read somewhere, who knows if this is true, or it's just one of those movie stories, but I read that like George C. Scott didn't want to do the goofy takes and Kubrick was would always just be like, all right, let's just get one over the top one. And then allegedly he used all of those over the top takes that George C. Scott didn't think were going to be in the movie, um, which I love if that's true. Um, I love the ending of this movie. I, if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it because it's, it's almost like one of the best punchlines to a joke of all time. Um, it's just like, it's just such a great like satirical look at, at government and, and human nature and, um, while also having like some some really tense, you know, political and war stuff going on during it, um, it's it's like super super funny, and it's Kubrick, so of course it's just like incredibly directed. All the acting is incredible. Um, it's like gorgeous to look at, even if, even black and white. Love it. Um, yeah, it's really really good. Yeah, this is another one I really love. Uh, probably my second or third favorite Kubrick. Uh, it's so, I just love, it's, um, it's played so straight. Everybody plays so straight that like, I mean, you don't forget it's a comedy, but it's like, it's portrayed so much like a, just a general war movie with jokes. Um, yeah, I love George C. Scott. Like I, I heard like the scene where he falls, like he really fell and tried to recover and they just kept it in the movie. Um, but he's so good just and and um, Sterling Hayden, um, the more movies I see him in, the more I love that guy. He's so good, but uh, just again, how straight he plays it, how real he's playing it, and um, how the interaction between him and Sellers with that Sellers character um, is one of my favorite things about the movie. Um, but it's like you said, it's just just such a great satire, and not played as that though. Like it's again, there's no, it's hard to describe because there's nothing like this movie. Just so one of a kind. And um, it's a really good looking movie too. Like I really like the way it's shot, like in the three different like locations. Um, but yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, definitely belongs in the top one hundred. Everybody else, why didn't you have this one? Uh, watched it one time. I really enjoy it. I love like the little things, like <laughs> trying not to raise his arm during it. Uh, I have seen an interview with George C. Scott. Apparently, it is true that Kubrick did use those things, like against like telling him he wasn't. He fell in the movie and stuff like that, and he kept it in. Not surprised because George C. Scott was apparently an asshole around sets, and then for Kubrick, just be like, yeah, sure, no, 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 just act up, we'll be fine. The best thing I was ever told is not to just a ima- just 
expect a joke a minute because everybody says it's one of the best comedies. And when you don't look at it through the lens, I think it works really well. Um, I really enjoy it. It just takes more watches for me to burst onto my top, but it's a Kubrick film I actually like. So. This is a movie I think that just got built up too much for me because I heard how absolutely hilarious it was. And I watched yeah. this movie and I really didn't laugh much at all. Now, maybe I was just not in the right mood that day when I watched it. I don't know, but I just... I don't see the love of real test for it, but then I, there's a lot of Kubrick that just doesn't, you know, do much for me. Um, but I mean, as Kubrick movies go, it's probably in the top half of his filmography from of the ones I've seen. But it's just, I, I think it got overhyped for me and kind of ruined the experience. Yeah, I need to rewatch. I haven't watched it since college, which I did watch it for like the one film class I took as an environmental studies major, um, and I had that like bratty, resistant student thing. Like, you're going to make me read this book. I'm going to hate it. And it was the same thing like, with the movie. Um, I mean, I actually liked it, but I think it's just built a, a wall um, to loving it. Um, and, and I think like Kubrick for a long while has been a barrier for me. I think there's a chilliness to his filmmaking that's just not fully how I adapt. But I think I'm going more used to it. I mean, I've recently watched Barry Lyndon and I love it, but I know that's like an outsider movie for him um, compared to the rest. But I think this one's like meant for me to love and I appreciate Pierce as an actor, so I need to rewatch it and give it a better chance. And I love right. worrying. <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, you're 41. Uh, my 41 is 1997's Gross Point Blake. Uh, so yeah, um, so John Cusack, obviously, early in his career, was doing all kind of the teen comedies, The Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, Say Anything, that kind of thing. Um, and then now he's in straight to VOD and DVD hell for the most part. Uh, in between, I thought he made some really, some really, some of his best movies. And one of them was Girls Point Blank. This is a movie that uh, he actually acted as a producer and a writer on. And you can tell because obviously he knows the kind of comedy that he can do best. And this, there's, there's a lot of that old John Cusack style of comedy, just that, that, that uh, from like the Better Off Dead days, that um, it just, but it's more adult. Because um, he's obviously this guy who's supposed to be, I guess, 28, because he's going back to his high school reunion. Um, at the same time, he's also an assassin, so he's kind of doing that there. Um, but John Cusack, I think, pulls off the role perfectly. Um, a lot of great dialogue, a lot just the, his delivery of it. It's a role that really, I think, only he could have played the way he did, and it works perfectly. So, like I said, you can tell that he had a hand in writing it. Uh, Minnie Driver, I love in this movie. The second time tonight she's come up, but uh, I, I think she kind of, you know, she's obviously there for for romantic interest. Um, she's also very funny, but she also stands up to him. You know, she she kind of puts him in this place. Um, the supporting cast also has Alan Arkin in it, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Joan Cusack, of course, who shows up in a lot of John's movies, uh, Hank Azaria, Jeremy Pippen. It's got a great supporting cast top to bottom. Um, yeah, this is a movie that, again, a movie that kind of came out of nowhere, and I didn't really know much about it when it came out, and then I just I loved it from the beginning to end. Uh, yeah, this is a great 90s movie about the 80s. Um, I just love that. The, the soundtrack is fantastic. Soundtrack. Yeah, that yeah, just blows me away. It just not just the soundtrack, but the way specific songs, especially 99 Red Balloons. I love, love that scene. Um, but yeah, Cusack's greatness. Uh, real easy to like mess this character up, make him too unlikable or whatever, but um, he's perfect in the role. And this movie just communicates anxiety better than any movie I've ever seen before in my life. Just stress and anxiety of trying to 
um, like just get through your life and just going, you know, just the idea of going back to something, going back to your past and revisiting something you don't want to, and just how uncomfortable that makes you. I love that scene in the when that when when his old bully pulls him aside and he's trying to talk to him in the by the lockers. He's like, there. He's like, who you mad at, man? Who you mad at? He's like, I have words. He's like, oh, a poem. You got a poem. I, 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 just, just so, so, so much, just like realistic dialogue like that. Uh, yeah, the supporting cast is great. Um, Alan Arkin is great as a psychiatrist, and just the little role he's in. Um, but yeah, this was. I don't know. Like, I'd have to go back and look when it came out. This was my favorite movie in '97. I really enjoyed this, and it's just perfect for me. It's a hitman movie, and it's just you know. Um, but there's so much more to it. And yeah, many drivers are good at too, and their relationship's a lot of fun. Uh, everybody else on Gross Point Blake. I haven't seen it, but Mini Driver has the same last name as me, her character in this movie, so that's really weird for me to see. But sure, I'll go check it out. It sounds very interesting. I think you like it. Yeah. I'll probably, um, yeah, probably enjoy it. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, I actually forgot about it because I saw it like a few years ago, but it's it's great. It's so much fun. I agree with Brian. I love John Cusack from like his heyday. <laughs> um all that stuff he did um yeah i don't i, I don't I, it's been a few years so i don't like remember a lot of specifics about what i like about it but i just i remember having like a total blast when i watched it um i remember the convenience store scene being awesome i love that um and it's just like really funny it's like a it's a clever script it's it's dan Aykroyd's a lot of fun in it like yeah it's 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 a really really good movie um yeah, my, my braid is broken and dead. I remember really liking it, and I remember nothing about it because I am falling apart as a human being. Uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, we can talk. But John Cusack, John Cusack, as you will come to know as the show moves on, is one of my favorite actors. Um, and, and I just fall for what he's doing. I just I see a lot of myself. If I was talented, this is what I could see myself doing. But I'm, I'm who I am. Uh, you mentioned his name briefly too, Brian. Uh, Jeremy Piven. He plays a lot of best friends. I think this is his best best friend role. Uh, I really like him. Uh, uh, and finally, would have closed the show down with Zach's number forty-one. What do you got, Zach? Yeah, my forty-one is Finding Nemo. Yikes! That's it. Yeah. Uh, that was easy. Okay, um, now I got to pick a winner from this mess. Um, <laughs> crap, <sighs> Ethan. Why'd you have to do that to me? Uh, it, things were going so smooth. Hey, at least you know um, that I, I stayed Guess who true. didn't have a... I stayed true to my taste. You know? I didn't do this for... Guess who has a bored fucking list? Cody. Cody. <laughs> I had great movies. For saying. Um, despite the penis, I still got to give it to Ethan this week. Yeah. The he fuck had, you he, he had enough... It's the clouds! I mean that children that children of men Amadeus specific room. Now, Cody, that the He had what, a puppet dick higher than that. But he still had his he had I like in he had his Dr. world he Dr. had Strange Love or what happened to Amadeus and Pacific Rim high he thought the puppet penis was better than those three films. But he had Are those you? three, he had Doctor Strange Love, he had Burning, which I really liked. I gotta no nobody he had higher highs and he, nobody had as high as high as he did. Cody relax. Yeah, you gotta, Cody, you're number you gotta, two this week. You gotta uh, fucking you, live with that shit. You gotta uh, live oh, how with that weird shit. that Ethan and Cody are the top two, like every fucking board. Cody, Cody, you had um a lot of like I said, you didn't have the high highs like Ethan did, but you had a lot of solid movies. There's nothing in your movie, there's nothing I could say anything bad about. How many puppet dicks said did you have to watch for my list? Yeah, oh, none. Not <laughs> just, crazy. 
Um, does Rob Schneider count? Uh, Not at 50. Uh, no lower. Uh, Brian, I'm going to put you at number three. Um, you, had, you had some, I mean, like last Boy Scout, like, um, so there's a big aggressive point blank. You had, uh, you had Spinal Tap, Gladiator, Braveheart, Little Shop, uh, all good stuff. Uh, Zach, I really wanted to give you so, some credit here for Fra- Francis Ha because I really, really love that movie, but we just disagreed on too much tonight. Um, so maybe we'll come back yeah. to this next week, but I got to get put you in fourth place here. This, this is one of the saddest things that ever happened to film history. This is like an objectively uh, masterful. No, no, no! You, you, you're, you're, you're getting placed exactly where you belong tonight. Um, but that's all for tonight. Thank you, guys. Everybody in the chat who stuck around, and it's a long show. I think next week for the, um, for the bottom, bottom three, we may have to put it to three words um, because we did get really late this week. But we'll what see about how just that a works. Thumbs out. up or thumbs down. It's gonna get well, longer the next three weeks. We got, we, we got we got a week to work it out. We'll we'll, we'll work the kinks out. Uh, but thanks for everybody who stuck around. Everybody who watched tonight. Everybody who's rewatching uh, because we went too late. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Run, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow, I hurt my arm. And not expect everybody. Everybody. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.